0: 49 has been shut down because the world's on fucking lockdown with the fire selections and the fire reflections. This is Fighting with Myself. Oh, 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 Fighting with Myself. Oh, 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 yeah. We are live. Welcome, everybody, to the Fighting with Myself podcast, a podcast for a quarantined MMA fan, hosted by a quarantined man. I'm that man. My name is Juice, and today's episode is a special episode because I am joined by my co-host for the day, T-Cross. Say what's up.
1: What's up, guys? Thank you for having me. I'm glad to have finally made it on. This whole Anchor app thing that we're using here is giving us a lot of fucking problems. But I, I can
0: curse, right? You don't? Oh, please curse. Please curse. Okay, you got it. I mean, Anchor is a sponsor of the show, but we can say fuck them because this is uh, this is America.
1: Yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, not not fuck Anchor. Like it's a it's a perfectly fine app. We just had a little issues with it. No, yeah, exactly. It out.
0: People. Well, I wanted to I wanted to have you on for a few reasons, and I'll I'll go over that in just a second. But you and I have met before, and you forgot.
1: <laughs> I I'm I'm drunk quite often.
0: It's so it's so funny. I, I want to tell this story real quick before I have you kind of um, tell us about yourself. Um, I so I just moved to Jersey uh, two two and a half years ago. So it was like October twenty seventeen, and I'm taking my brother in law to his Muay Thai class at the Institute in Kingsburg, and I, I decided to like stay and watch the class. I was like, this this seems chill, and you were one of the first people to like actually introduce yourself, and I was like, oh cool, Tom, what's up? And then, flash forward. I start the the podcast. I I get on MMA Twitter, and then one day I get a tweet from you saying, "Bro, are you in Jersey? Let's meet up." And I was like, "Dude, we've met before." <laughs> and now <laughs> I see you at the bar, and it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, I um, I mean, people come in and out of that that gym all the time, so, so I I apologize for not not recognizing you. I feel like a douche.
0: No, it's it's all good. Like you said, people coming in and out of gyms all the time. I also have a weird memory that most people don't have that I will remember a specific conversation with someone that happened five years ago, but then I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. It's weird.
1: Oh, shit. <laughs> well, as long as you're not mad at me, then then we're all good.
0: No, we're all good. If I wasn't mad, I wouldn't have you on. And, or if I was mad, I wouldn't have you on, rather. Um, and uh, so before before we get started, uh one of the reasons I, I wanted you to come on because I like your podcast. I, I've been listening to it a lot recently and um, I'm always willing to have other sort of content creators come on because the goal of my podcast is to sort of be a collaborative effort, you know, with the MMA community. So uh, what got you in MMA? I, well, I started taking doing Taekwondo when
1: I was like three years old because I was a absolutely out of control, reckless child. So my mother wanted to, to throw me off somewhere to have somebody else try and teach me some sort of discipline and uh, I got my black belt by the time I was like 10 years old or whatever and I ended up getting all the way up to like a third degree black belt in Taekwondo won a couple state championships and then I was like I don't know 15 or 16 and I was like man that shit's lame as fuck I want to I want to do hood rat shit with my friends
2: (laughs) so
3: I stopped
1: and then I saw a video of frank Meir breaking uh big Nog's arm and i was like whoa that's super fucking cool so i started taking jujitsu almost immediately afterwards because one of my one of my friends had a cousin who was a professional fighter so i started training in my buddy's garage with this professional fighter um a local guy anthony montanaro i don't know if you know the name known more as monty but that was i don't know like 10 years or so ago nice and i just absolutely fell in love with with jiu-jitsu and and that was my my main starting point and then i eventually made it to college and my college had uh an mma program that i joined and the head coach there got me in contact with promoters and that's when i started fighting out of out of my college
0: Whoa, your college had an MMA program? That's insane.
1: Yep. Yeah, Rowan University had an MMA program, and I was the first ever person to fight based out of a college-represented gym.
0: That's awesome, dude. You're a fucking pioneer. Look at that.
1: Yeah, essentially. Um, it, it was. I, looking back at my old training videos, um, the guy that threw me into a cage and allowed me to fight should be sued because I was not <laughs> enough, not good to be, to be fighting. And, uh, my first fight, I got knocked the fuck out and sent to the hospital. So,
2: oh, damn.
1: Yeah. I, I, I had moved up three weight classes on a, on like a week's notice because my original opponent got hurt. Another guy's opponent got hurt. So they just kind of threw us together and uh, yeah, he, he landed a, a knee to the head, which is illegal, but I was shooting for a takedown at the time of the knee, so the ref deemed it as my fault, and I was knocked unconscious and had my forehead split open. I, to, I went directly to the hospital and I had two, uh, two staples put in my forehead.
0: Fucking A. That's insane. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah and, I, and I kept, kept going back. I just love it. I don't, I don't know why my mother hates it, but
0: yeah, it sounds like the wild, wild West days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was an interesting experience.
0: You'd think that they, if if they're doing collegiate MMA, that it would be more sanctioned and it would be, you know, a little bit more thought out, but they're like, no, we well, i we'll fight some guy three weight classes up on a, on a few days notice. Like what the hell?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, and the uh, the promotion didn't have any insurance because it was only, like, the second or third show, and they just were kind of winging it because they didn't know, like, all the rules, I guess. So I had to pay for all of the, the medical bills out of, you know, well, my parents paid for it because, you know, I was... You know, yeah. Were-
0: yeah. Wow, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, fun times, good memories.
0: So one thing I, w- I wanted to know this is uh, this is something that's like uh, very much a cookie cutter question that everyone asks, but I always like to ask it because I feel like it tells you a lot about a person. Um, well, who's your favorite fighter?
1: Um, my favorite fighter it, it changes over time, but currently my my favorite fighter is Joanna Jonjic.
0: She's the shit.
1: I. I think she's hot as fuck. I love <laughs> her, her. And she's violent. Like she, either herself or the person she's fighting, somebody's getting fucked up that that day when she's fighting. It's Like that last fight that she just had with Wiley Zhang, that was...
0: Oh, that was insane. That was one of the best best fights I've seen from any gender. I mean, that was insane.
1: It was bu- easily the best female fight I've ever seen. Yeah. Probably by right, any fights of all time. Like you said, regardless of gender, and her her forehead was just I beyond words.
0: Yeah, it makes sense that you say that because your girl reminds me a little bit of Yolanda. I, I meant to tell you that before.
1: Really? Why is that?
0: I don't like. They just have a similar vibe.
1: Huh. That's a, uh, I I never looked at it that way, but uh, I I can see some, some
0: content, like a, that's a Freudian thing, right? Yeah. 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 So actually, one of the reasons other than uh, I like you and I like your podcast, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on is you are uh, a certified ref. I am. Yeah. And so what made you want to make the transition and what was sort of the crux? Because um, I, I was really interested in this when I heard about Frank Trigg becoming a ref. He said he was watching fights and just was like just aggravated with the officials and thought he could do better and Big John basically was like, well, fucking put up or shut up and take my class, and then kind of went from there, but what was the crux of, of your uh, career change?
1: Well, I, I've always wanted to, to be a ref and a judge, um, just because I, I'd i known Big Dan my entire life. Um, I, He's I, a legend I played, in the area. Yeah, I, I played baseball with, with his son, DJ, since I was like, I don't know, eight or nine years old, so before I was even a fan of the sport, I I knew who Big Dan was, and then when I became a fan of the sport I was watching a fight one day with my parents and they were like, Is that Dan Reffing? I'm like, Whoa, what the fuck? Like I had no idea that he did it. So like it was just immediately became the sport in general was was, was interesting and reffing became interesting because the guy that I knew my whole life was doing it. And then as, as I became a fighter and started understanding martial arts and, and the different aspects of an MMA fight watching some of these these refs and judges who have no training criteria they don't really understand what they're looking at and just seeing these these absolutely uh, uh, terrible decisions happen more so on the 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 judging side as opposed to the reffing um i am certified in both reffing and judging but I'm, I'm personally more, more so interested in the judging aspect because I, I have a general understanding of what's going on. Like I'm not a pro fighter by any means. I'm not a world champion by any means, but I have a general understanding of what I'm looking at when I'm watching a fight, whether it's stand-up, whether it's clinch, whether it's, it's jiu-jitsu on the ground. Like I understand the positions. I understand who's winning a position whereas mo- I feel like most people that are, are judges don't really understand what they're looking at. they just like, oh, that person took that person down, and that person's on top. Well, that person, he's winning. That, that's not always the case. Like, the guy on the bottom,
2: right.
1: he's doing what Tony Ferguson does and is on the bottom, but he's throwing elbows. The guy on top might be defending strikes or defending submissions the whole time. You're not winning that round if you're just, if you're defending submissions or strikes the whole time just because you're on top. Like, it's, uh, it infuriates me.
0: Absolutely, I'm hearing everything you're saying, and I'm like, we need to call, uh, Mike, uh, Mark Radner, and uh, get get you get you uh, judging the UFC. Like, what the hell?
1: Yeah, that, that's that's the ideal goal. Um, so I, I just recently got certified. Uh, I want to say it was something like like October or November, something like that. And uh, I, I only had I only worked one, uh, one or two events. Uh, there were Muay Thai events, but. Um, because I was you know, I'm still fresh, I had to like, you know, follow somebody. So I didn't actually get to ref or judge any fights and uh, you know, you have to prove to the the people that have been doing it or the people that run the organization that that I was working for that you know what you're doing. So you know, right now there's no events going on so so I haven't really spoken or or gotten any work in that aspect but you know getting up to the UFC level or or the pro level in general is the the ideal situation because that's when you start getting paid and when you're a guy like Big Dan and you're one of the the best most well-known refs in the world you're refing every weekend you know you're you're getting paid to travel all over the world to go ref fights and essentially I just want Big Dan's life that's that's what I want
0: there you go I remember like he, he does all, all the different kind of work. I, I can remember uh we watched um Frank's fight in the Hulu Theater and MSG and I'm like, that's big Dan refing.
1: Yep, yeah, he does he does the amateur level, he does he just he just really, really loves it. So he Yeah goes wherever it's wherever it's offered to him.
0: This actually brings me to my next point which I didn't even plan to, but yesterday, last night on Twitter, which you know is a, is a cesspool, essentially, um, I was having a conversation with this guy. He put up a post that said, who would win in a fight, Big John or Big Dan? And I was like, Big Dan, easily. And everyone was like, oh, no, no, Big John is, is, is the man. He's going to smash Big Dan. And I said, whoa, 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 you don't know shit about Big Dan, okay? So you, having grown up around him, what, he, what do you think? Who would win, Big John or Big Dan? Well, it de-
1: I think it depends on what kind of fight. Because a lot of people don't know this, but Big John McCarthy is a black belt in jiu-jitsu.
0: Yep. So he is, yeah. I think he want didn't he want to be like a participant in the early UFC? Like he was training partners with Hoist, I think, and he wanted to actually fight. And they're like, no, no, no we need someone like you to to actually ref. Uh,
1: that uh, that I can't confirm nor deny. I have no, I have no idea. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised because you know he was he was a semi young man back then, but. Uh, I think it depends on the kind of fight, because Big Dan is a fucking bad-ass Muay Thai fighter. Like, you don't get kicked by that fucking guy. He was actually supposed to fight Kimbo Slice back in the day. And what was that other organization that he competed in? Was it Affliction?
0: Uh, Elite XC? Elite
1: XC, yeah. Big Dan was supposed to fight him in Elite XC. But uh, I forget what happened. Big Dan either got hurt or something. But he was he was slated to fight, um, to fight Kimbo Slice back in the day, and uh,
0: that's amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what Big Dan's uh, ground uh, credentials are, but I know he's a badass Muay Thai fighter, and uh, he he actually teaches Muay Thai at uh, the gym around the corner from here. So, uh, it,
0: it yeah, doesn't he, he I, teach at Hendo's, or, or am I mistaken? That again. Doesn't he teach at Henzo's or am I mistaken?
1: As far as I know. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've never been to Henzo's to take his class. I've only been there for jujitsu. So he very well might not be teaching there anymore, but the last that I heard, he was the Muay Thai coach over there for sure. And I've seen videos of him hitting pads and it, it's scary.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So what in your opinion is the biggest problem with the state of officiating MMA and not just um? Not just on the on the referee side, but on the judge side as well, because as you said, you are certified in both.
1: I, I think that the, the biggest problem is is lack of understanding of, of what's going on. You know, I'm I'm not one of these people that says like, oh, I, the, the the best way to, to fix judging is, is to have fighters judge the. Uh, that's not what I'm saying by any means, but fighters do understand more what they're looking at. the The biggest issue with having fighters judge fights is, is biases because mm-hmm. a guy who specializes in jiu-jitsu is refing a fight. A guy that's on his back throwing up submissions but also taking punches, he might give that round to the guy that's just throwing his legs up trying to get submissions because he favors jujitsu. But he, he the fighter does understand more what he's what he's seeing because he's been there, he's done that, he, he understands what's going on. So Maybe not having fighters, but just people that train, that that understand the different aspects of the sport. Because like Adelaide Bird, this lady who just constantly fucks up judges, not just in m oh. boxing, even worse. Like I, I find it hard to believe that that lady's ever ever been on her back, to, putting <laughs> a submission in uh in a yeah arts sort of thing. She probably spends a lot of time on her back in other ways, but. That's not what we're talking about here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think she's in Oscar De La Hoya's pocket. Because she fucked that Canelo decision bad.
1: What What did she score that first fight? Like t- 10 to 2 Canelo?
0: Yeah, something like that. I'm like, dude, what are you, are you blind? Yeah. Like, literally blind. Yeah, she, she fucked. I'm pretty sure like, that was – wasn't that the week before – or maybe two weeks before the uh, – what was it? UFC 216 when DJ had that crazy um, – Flying armbar, uh, the suplex armbar, and then 20 Ferguson fought Kevin Lee. Like, I'm pretty sure they – she was slated to judge that fight, and they pulled her off the card. Like, we don't want you fucking up our business. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up about the bias thing because I think about this all the time. Uh, I think that refs have a thankless job because um, when, they, when they do well, we don't really commend them. And when they do bad, even a little, we run them through the mud. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why I wanted to have you on as well, because I feel like one of the biggest issues uh, is just not hearing from the refs to, to be able to defend themselves. Like when they make a shitty call, like like I thought when I first we'll get to this in a second, because I, I had some some things I wanted to, to cover with you. But um, when I first watched the Robbie Lawler, Ben Askman fight, I thought Herb Dean might have stopped it a little early. And I was like, this is kind of weird because Robbie popped up right away. And then I heard him on JRE like months later, and he explained about being, you know, nervous about the C spine and things like that. And Robbie's arm went limp. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like now it's it's defensible, in my opinion, but, but we have to hear from them.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know if, if the sanctioning bodies tell them to keep their mouths shut or not, but, the, the, but like you said, you never hear from them when they do. You, you never praise them when they do a good job because doing a good job is stopping the, the fight when it needs to be stopped. And th- that's essentially their job. Like it, there's no way to, like, I don't understand the whole, Oh, this guy's an excellent ref and it, you're just doing your job correctly. It, 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 you, when you do a good job, that's just like the basis of what your job is supposed to be. Like there's no going
2: exactly on. Beyond.
1: It's just, that's, your job you either do it right or you do it wrong so there's no like it, it, it's tough to <clears throat> excuse me it's tough to, to to give them credit where credit's due because where credit is due is just them doing the basic description of what their job is so it's, it's really it's a like you said it's a it's a thankless job for sure
0: yeah and then that, that's that's where I, I feel like you're you're absolutely right. I do try and point out certain things if I see them because one one of my biggest things that I hate is not there's not enough point deductions in MMA. Right. Uh, I think your warning is in the back, and that's it. And there's too many people like that live by the philosophy like if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And the, not to, to call them dirty, but to, you know, try and get away with fouls like glove glove like grabbing the gloves, you know, grabbing the cage, things like that. And I think like your warning is in the back. So how do you feel about point deductions?
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, uh, I think the, the, the only issue with point deductions is it will lead to a lot more draws. Um, and then with, with draws, the, the rankings don't, don't advance because neither of the guys won or lost. So I, I think that'd be the only, the only thing I could see being an issue with adding more point deductions, but I think it'll also take away the fouls. Like, like if you if you right. john jones would have had a point taken away for every fucking eye poke that he would have ever done he would have lost his belt a long time ago but he just gets one. right close your fingers close your fingers like dude he, he's poked Dana cormier in the eye four times this fight like no point has been taken yet totally totally agree with you
0: yeah absolutely so I wanted to um I wanted to go over some like controversial ref calls and stoppages and just kind of hear your take on them. Um, so I brought it up earlier, what did you think about uh Herb Dean stopping the fight against uh with Robbie Lawler and Ben Askren?
1: Well, at at first when I was watching the fight, I I thought exactly what what Joe Rogan thought where, you know, you're listening to the fight, Joe Rogan was saying he's out, he's out, he's out cuz his hand was up defending the choke and then like he didn't just stop defending and put his hand on it looked like his arm went limp so
0: whether, yep it bounced whether
1: that's trying to bait Ben Askren into letting you go whether he was actually out when you're in a ref's position you're supposed to be the first thing in in as your job is to defend the fighter if it looks like the fighter has gone limp fight over You know, you can argue with the ref all you want afterwards. Oh, I was was baiting him into – doesn't matter. From my perspective, it looked like you were out. Ben Askren is choking the fuck out of you. Fight's over. Like, that's not – you don't defend a choke by pretending to go limp. Like, it's just not how you defend a choke. Yep. So, I I totally agreed with it. And when I – again, like you said, when I heard him explain himself further on Joe Rogan, you know, several months later, I was like, I agree with it even more now.
0: Hey Amen. So glad you said that because a lot of people think it was bullshit. And I think there's just a lot of Robbie Lawler fans are a little bit salty because um, he didn't. You know, I mean, to be fair, the whole fight was a little bit controversial because he slammed the fuck out of Ben Askren, and, and some people think it could have been stopped then.
1: Yeah, could have, but he he was he was moving like he, he didn't he didn't. Right. It, it's not like he was just laying there getting punched and then he was unconscious and then he came back and started that he was moving the whole time. So, I mean, you, there's a, it could have been stopped. I wouldn't have been up, upset if it got stopped there. And I, I don't think Ben Askren would have been upset if it got stopped there. But, but that's why when the guy is defending himself or he's moving constantly, it's tough to, to stop a fight when a guy is moving and trying to defend himself.
0: Right. I mean, I I think the fact that he was able to get out of it and then get into a position where he got that bulldog choke kind of proves that it wasn't worthy of being stopped earlier, although very close. And then this next one is a recent one. How do you feel about um, what happened with Iwan Kutalaba and Magomed Ankalaev with Kevin McDonald? Like, Kutalaba was, like, kind of playing possum, it looked like, or it looked like he may have actually been rocked on the feet, and then Kevin McDonald stopped it, like, in mid-action, basically.
1: Yeah, that that was a, a strange one because when he started wobbling around and playing possum, as you said, it didn't look like he got hit. So I, w- I kind of understood why it wasn't stopped sooner than it was. And then the guy just kept throwing head kicks and none of them looked like they were landing. But when the fighter is you know when his legs are wobbling and he's just the, the his opponent is throwing head kicks at him that that's where i think you need to verbalize to the fighter like ask him like hey are you okay hey fight back like show me you're okay you know it, you you are allowed to talk to the fighter you know you, you you'll say to the to the fighter yeah. like come on let's work get your back off the cage let's work fellas like you can you can talk to the fighters to try to get an idea like if you want to you can i don't know i don't know if the ref did i it, i don't believe he was but in that situation you can ask the fighter like hey if you're okay stop wobbling your legs or like show, show me you're okay or i'm gonna stop it like you've heard you've heard people say that before like if you don't fight back i'm gonna stop it like you're yep. threatening the fighter like hey cut it cut this bullshit out or i'm gonna stop the fight because then if he doesn't cut it out oh shit he's really hurt and that's when he steps in. So uh, the the ref, I don't recall, I don't think he was, but he didn't if he, if he didn't do that and he was just going by what he was seeing, he he did look terribly hurt, but that that's the situation where I think you need to try to communicate with the fighter as opposed to what you're just what you're seeing cuz sometimes your eyes can deceive you. You know, guys will be playing games like that sometimes and that's when you need to tell him like, "Hey, cut the shit or I'm going to stop this fight." Because similar to the Robbie Lawler fight, when the ref stepped in, all of a sudden, he's fine. Like, what the fuck? I'm okay. Well, it didn't look yeah. okay Like when the guy was was throwing head kicks at you. And when they slowed it down, it didn't look like any of the shots landed on him at all. And, am I wrong?
0: Uh, I think one or two connected, but there was – you're right. There was some sort of maybe could have been grazing shots. But I think, I think you said it perfectly – the guy was playing games, and I remember someone said on Twitter, uh, and I, I, I kept repeating it throughout my show, like the entire episode right after, was like, play stupid games, win stupid Correct. prizes. Like, the guy was clearly fucking around. And uh, and I think he was kind of fucked from the beginning because of what happened before the fight when he just sort of ran across the cage, and the guy got double oh. underhooks <laughs> because he didn't <laughs> know what else to that. do. That guy's yeah, it was absolutely That's
1: nuts. Guy, have you ever seen the the clip where he where he fought uh Khalil Roundtree? At the
0: Yes, I remember that at, fight. At
1: the weigh-ins, like he walked up to to Khalil and just screamed in his face and Khalil like had a like what the fuck sort of sort of look on his face. That that dude's just out of his fucking mind. Like he he,
0: he Absolutely.
1: Just because you're crazy and, and you're a wow man doesn't mean that you can play bullshit games in the cage and get away with it for too long while guys are throwing head kicks at you.
0: Amen. Next one I want to talk to you about is um, Mike Davis versus Thomas Gifford. If you remember, this was a UFC Tampa uh, a few months ago. And it was one of those things where like once it got past the first round and even at moments in the first round, I was screaming at the TV for them to to stop the fight. And it, it, I don't remember this ever happening, uh, at least in recent memory, in modern MMA, where once that fight was over, the ref who um, was officiating that fight was pulled from the rest of the card. He was relieved of his duties, essentially. Um, It was one-way traffic for Mike Davis. What did you think about that? The
1: the ref was removed from the rest of the card that night?
0: Yeah. They made an announcement on the broadcast saying, you know, due to that – I mean, I don't think they explained, like, due to the terrible stoppage, but they're basically saying, you know – in a lot of the events of, of the Thomas Gifford fight, you know, referee X, whatever his name is, was is removed from the card. Wow,
1: I don't remember that, but but uh, I, I guess I guess that's a a good thing considering that fight. See, this is this is where, we, where being a ref is, is super fucking hard because, like I was saying earlier, where a guy is defending himself or or moving, trying to defend himself, it's hard to stop the fight. But in a fight like that, where the guy is it was was Gifford that was getting his ass whooped, right? So Gifford was, was, you know, he wasn't getting knocked down constantly. It was just, he was getting hit and he wasn't hitting back. And it just was such a one-sided beating, you know? And then afterwards he was saying, you know, oh, you know, let me go out of my shield. I'm glad it, it took him that long to stop it. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't going down. I wasn't hurt, but like your face was just mutilated. Like, Yeah, it was a mess. Fight is not like if it's not a competitive fight, and the guy's just shot after shot after shot, and he's not landing anything in return. You you got to try and prolong that guy's career because every punch that he takes is shortening his career, shortening his career, and he's not returning the favor to his opponent. So you you gotta. It that's a tough one. Um, I I definitely think the fight should have been stopped earlier just based on how how bad the fight was. But also in a situation like that, as a coach, aside from being a ref, you have to coach yes. your fighter. Like, your fighter might be walking forward, but your fighter is, cannot win this fight. When your fighter can no longer win the fight, as a coach, it's your job to, to, to get that fighter out of there. It, it's also the ref's job, but if, if your guy is still attempting to fight and he's not getting knocked down and, and whatever – it's your job as a coach i think in that specific situation to be the guy to to throw the towel and say like hey we'll we'll, we'll live to fight another day we we clearly got some stuff to work on here based on your performance so so let's let's cut our losses here tonight and get back in the gym and and work on whatever the fuck went wrong in this fight here
0: yeah i'm glad you brought that up because i was exactly i was going to ask you next like what do you think about the corner stopping it 100% agree with you Um, Which leads me to another question uh, Before I get into some more Um, How do you feel about an early stoppage Versus a late stoppage Because my personal opinion um, I would rather a stoppage be a little early Than late
1: Yeah, I I, I totally agree Uh, I think it it depends On the situation, I guess But but because it's such a violent sport And it's such an unforgivable sport that, That earlier definitely is better But when it's like Way too early Um that that gets a little bit infuriating for me it's very rare uh, late stoppages happen a lot more often than than too early stoppages yeah but, uh, yeah it, it, it all depends on the situation but but an early stoppage can can maybe prolong a fighter's career the fighter will probably not ever want you to ref his fight again but uh, whatever you, you you save them a couple punches to the head how mad can he really fucking be
0: yeah, exactly. Like you said, live to fight another day. It's it's all about that. And and I guess that depends on you know a TKO versus uh like a choke, for example. So that like I definitely don't want to, like a what was it Kevin Lee versus Michael Chiesa when he didn't really go out and he didn't tap either, but Yamasaki stopped the fight. And everyone was like, "What the fuck happened there?" Uh, so yeah, it's it's a little weird with a choke versus like a you know stopping it due to strikes. I mean, going on. What did you feel about? Going go ahead. Sorry.
1: Whether it's from strikes or whether it's from being choked out, it, it's not good. <laughs> not good either. Yeah. Way. Um, personally, I, I'd rather be choked out than punched out. So if I'm not tapping out to a choke, let me go fully unconscious before you stop the fight. But no, it, it's people. People criticize refs a lot. But i mean it's a it's a hard fucking job you you don't get any redos. It's not like, oh i I fucked up my excel sheet let let me try it again. like you get no redos in there. It's a split second spur of the moment decision, yeah. and sometimes sometimes you make the wrong one like it's it's gonna happen. you know you've seen big big John herb Dean they make mistakes sometimes they're widely viewed as the best refs of all time. They make mistakes. it happens, but it's a tough job man.
2: Yeah,
0: amen. That's why I, I commend you for for getting into it. And, and based on everything I'm hearing, I'm really looking forward to to seeing what you're going to do. Um, what did you feel about Stefan Struve versus uh, Ben Rothwell that happened just, uh, just a little while ago where our boy Big Dan was uh, basically – he gave Stefan Struve enough time to recover from those dick kicks. And at one point, he's actually talking to him saying, hey, you're probably winning uh, – basically giving him advice to to restart the fight
1: yeah that was uh that that was a a big a big (laughs) no-no you're supposed to give the guy you know the five minutes uh when he gets kicked in the nuts but you're not supposed to be giving the fighter advice on whether or not he should continue saying like Oh you know if you don't continue this is going to be a, a no contest or or or, or what it, whatever it may be or telling them you know if you do continue and you just survive this round you're probably going to win the fight like that's not you ask him you're all you're supposed to do is ask him if he can continue or not that's it and then and then if he continues fight continues but like you said that's where the point deductions come in um, for the nut shots
0: yeah, exactly. I think the blueprint for this was kind of laid out by Jason Herzog at UC Rio Rancho recently with the Diego Sanchez versus uh, Michelle Pajeda fight. When Diego was like, "If I say no, it's a DQ, right?" Like actually asking, in the, and Jason Herzog was like, "I can not answer that. Are you able to continue or not?"
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and again, that that's another that's another thing that comes down to to the coach. If if the coach. Is watching those guys get kicked in the nuts over and over again, and uh, the, the coach should be able to, to tell his guy like, "Dude, protect your protect your nuts. Let's let's get the fuck out of here. Like this is no bueno." But again, point to <laughs> come in, and yep, I think the only thing Dan did wrong was, was advising Struve what to what to do. Like you said, play the blueprint yeah. all you do is tell him. Hey, you have five minutes to recover. Whether it's a, a an eye poke, nut nut shot, no, I don't. I don't remember if, if Big Dan did. But you can bring the doctor in, have the doctor look at him, evaluate him, let the doctor say if he can continue. Then make him the make make the fighter decide whether or not he wants to continue. And if he does, then you go on with the fight. And you tell him like, if you don't want to continue, I'll stop it. And then it, you, you don't tell him it's it's going to be a no contest. It's going to be a DQ. This and that or no, no, no decision, no contest, whatever the fuck it's called. Like you just ask him whether or not he can continue and then you make a decision. You don't advise, you're not supposed to advise the fighter what to do, you know?
0: Absolutely. And actually you brought up a good point about the bringing the doctor and that's something that I've always thought about or not really always, but sort of recently Um, some doctors make some weird calls and it almost makes me feel like, should we be having doctors, you know, that are with the associated Ringside Physicians? Should they be more trained in a, a little bit of MMA as well? Or should they be just purely from a medical standpoint? Like you have, I think you have to a little bit understand what these fighters go through and just sort of their predicament and and knowing what, what all affects them versus, you know, you being just like an ER doc, that's like, oh yeah, you you need to take a seat, buddy. Yeah, I,
1: I think it all depends. I think definitely do- the doctor should have some sort of understanding about what's what's happening here, and, and not just what's happening as far as the fight, but what's at stake. Like, you know, with with, with yeah. lost money, you know, if you, if you stop this fight, you could be taking away half this guy's money for the night, like which for some people is, you know, several hundred thousand dollars. Like there's a lot of shit on the line. And, you know, I've had doctors before, you know, when I was younger, when I was, when I first started fighting, like my first fight was originally scheduled to be at at 155 pounds, which is where I I was going to fight. And when I went to get my physical said to the doctor, I was going to be fighting at 155 pounds. And at my physical, I weighed like 175, like, I don't know, six months before the fight. And he's looking at me. He's like, "Oh, he's like, I won't sign off on this. You can't lose 20 pounds." Like, he he, he didn't understand what what cutting weight. Would-
0: yeah, that's not. My doctor
1: wouldn't sign off on the weight class because I was, you know, supposed to lose 20 pounds. So then I had to write on the 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 my sheet that I was going to compete at a much higher weight class of like 168 pounds, which then you know ended up becoming 183 when my guy got hurt. But but it was. The, the the doctor had no idea what the fuck went into fighting and whatnot and as I've gotten older I've found doctors who do understand and not only understand funny story I have a uh, I, I had broken my back last th- on Thanksgiving day actually not this one the not this past Thanksgiving the year before so I guess like a year and a half ago by this point and I uh, and I, I was yeah. supposed to fight like ten days later, and I didn't know my back was broken. I just know I fucked it up. My fight ended up getting canceled because my opponent pulled out the day of the fight, but my back was still killing me. So like a week later, I go to the doctor, and the fight at the, by this point had already been rescheduled, like for March. And the, the fight was originally supposed to be in December, got rescheduled for March. So I go to the doctor, you know, right before Christmas, and. You know, I get the the MRI or whatever, and the X-ray and shows I have, I have a fracture in my spine. And I ask the doctor like, "Oh, can I can I fight in March?" And the doctor looks at me and goes, "You're a grown ass man. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I wouldn't recommend, but you're a grown man. Do whatever the hell you want." So like, I don't know if he understands fighting, but he understands that I may fight her. That I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. So he wasn't like. I won't, I won't let you do, I won't let you do it. He's like, do whatever you want. I, I can give you my recommendation, which I, I wouldn't recommend, but, uh, which I, I, ended up fighting yeah. because of the back, but, uh, yeah. So, so getting back to your point, I, I definitely think that the doctor should have some sort of idea of what's going on. Use but some context. I totally agree.
0: Last question I have for you. This is something I was listening to your podcast uh, earlier in the week, and you had a. Uh, you brought up something about we need a purge. Like, we need to go a purge. I want to beat the fuck out of somebody. This has got to stop. So, I, I, I want to ask you if you were in charge of putting together like a team to lead a purge that to like enforce social distancing uh, in this quarantine. Because I've, like I said, I've been listening to it. We're totally in line about the whole. Uh, pandemic and how everyone's not taking it seriously enough and things like that. So, if you were in charge of of making a team, what what uh, fighters would you would you bring on to enforce social distancing? How, how many am I allowed to bring? Ooh, uh, let's say five. But if if you got like a uh, like six or so, All right, so I'll, I'll allow. It.
1: Brock Lesnar for sure. <laughs> <The scariest laughs> yeah, movie sure. I've ever seen. Um, let's see, Brock Lesnar. Anthony Johnson. Uh, Hell yeah. Nate Diaz, just because he makes me laugh. Uh, Artem, because he also makes me laugh.
0: And he's the GOAT. I mean, you got to include and the
1: GOAT. And uh, probably Fedor, because uh, he doesn't look. In- yeah. He's weird. Like, his body type doesn't look intimidating, but just the look of his face terrifies me
0: you're absolutely right like when he smiles i'm like, yeah, like he knows
1: some shit i don't something, know something bad's about to happen to me even even when i'm watching it through tv i'm like huh like he knows something like is there somebody hiding in my closet or something he, he's got some some information that i'm not privy to what about you
0: absolutely your- well before i let you Oh, yeah. What about me? I, so I was thinking about this. I would take uh, John Jones just because he's fucking reckless. And uh, I feel like he definitely wouldn't wouldn't fight fair. Uh, I was going with Brock Lesnar as well so that we we're on par with that. Definitely Nganu, uh, who God. will knock a motherfucker dead. Um, and then you got to take someone like Damian Maya, who looks unassuming but can just sort of sneak up on you and strangle you. And then um, probably could okay. be.
1: I like your five better than my five,
0: but I think we should probably combine them anyways. Because fuck it, uh, we got to enforce the social distancing so more than ever. I forgot about Francis. Um, had this whole quarantine thing not happened,
1: what did you what do you think about his fight with Rosenstrike? Who who do you think would have or is going to win that fight when it eventually happens?
0: Yeah, interesting question. So I actually uh, I like. I like Rosen striking in that fight. Um, I think the blueprint is a little bit out in Nganu, and not that Jair's a wrestler or anything, but I think he sort of knows that he might be able to exploit that and I just think like everyone talks about Iganu 's power, but Jarzinho knocked out Alan Crowder with a jab like in eleven seconds he just put, just put him on his ass with a jab and fucking that weird hook against Arlovsky i think I think that guy has scary power um, that no he one talks did it, about.
1: Um... Overeem's lip at the second of the fifth yes. round after getting his ass whipped for four and a half rounds. Like when he's dead tired with with nothing left in the tank, that's what he did to Overeem's mouth. Like that was easily the worst lip cut ever. That was worse than Robbie Lawler's lip when he fought uh, Rory McDonald for the second time.
0: Yeah, absolutely and that to your point that that brings up my other point is that he can last longer i feel he has and way better cardio chin.
1: like you know Overeem's getting old and he's been knocked out how like 18 times in his career how, but he still can crack. he's humongous yeah. and Rosenstrike took every punch that that overeem threw at him every clean shot that overeem ran he walked right through it like like it was fucking nothing now i i think I think Gano has more power than Overeem. I think he's bigger and stronger, but who, who's to say that he won't just walk right through fucking Engano's punches as well? It's an interesting. I can't wait for that fight.
0: Yeah. Yeah, me too. That was like, like if if you talk about the heavyweight division in the Usada era, like that's as good as it gets. Like for for like these fighters having to be clean, like those are the biggest, jacked, scariest motherfuckers you're gonna find. And uh, yeah, they can crack. And Jorginho has a kickboxing background. I think he has like seventy something yeah. kickboxing fights, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I yeah, I thought he, he was gonna fuck him up. For sure. Yeah. Hell is. yeah. Well, before I let you go, is there anything you want to plug or, or just sort of uh,
1: well, any message you want to get out? Do, do you have more time? Yeah. Oh so, yeah, we got as much
0: time as you want, brother. Should have said that. As- yeah, I forgot this. I was going to start the show. I yeah, saying that, so, yeah. Uh, Happy fucking Easter.
1: So other than with these fights getting canceled, um, the, the fights that were going to happen, I want to ask your opinion on some of them. So Tony got canceled for the fifth
0: time.
1: Who do you think is going to win that fight when they, if and when they eventually do
0: fight? I'm so glad you asked this because I I'm, I'm an optimist. Uh, not in life usually. Like when it comes to my own life, I'm a pessimist. But when I think about, like, the shit I care about, I, I like to think the best of people, and I like to think the best. So when when it was made for the fifth time, and all the the detractors online kept saying, "Oh, can't wait till everyone's mad when it gets canceled again," I was like, "You're putting those vibes out in the universe. Like, stop fucking talking." And then when it came around to cancel it, people were clinging to the life of it, and I was like, "Actually, guys." This is for the better. We need to cancel this fight so that we can all live. But uh, I got Tony in that fight. Uh, I think it's a little bit like contrarian just, just to always pick against Khabib because you're wanting to see him lose. But I also think it's a little bit of uh, herd mentality to just pick Khabib because he's undefeated. And I think Tony off his back is scary. And uh, just him from the front headlock position as well, grabbing that dars from anywhere, uh, I, I think he can make agree it happen.
1: with you that I think Tony's going to win. And here's why. So, historically, if you look at Khabib's fights, he doesn't get his takedown out in the open. He gets the cage. He marches forward, and a lot of people don't know this because Tony doesn't really use his wrestling ability. But he was a national champion wrestler in college at a. De- but a yeah,
0: Michigan State, school, I believe.
1: Correct. So he's an elite. Yeah, I think wrestler. so. He doesn't use the wrestling, but he's con- he constantly walks forward. He uses his pressure as a weapon. He's got, I don't want to say elite striking, but he's got very unorthodox striking. He fucks people up with his elbows. He cuts people. And even if he does get taken down, he's got one of, if not the best, guards in all of MMA. Now, can he... Can he submit, Khabib? Preach. That's a totally different question, but like I was talking earlier about judging fights, it's hard to to win around on top of Tony Ferguson because he's gonna, he's gonna cut you up from the bottom. He's gonna throw elbows. You heard Kevin Lee talk about. It. He's like, I never felt elbows like I felt when I was on top of Tony Ferguson. I I, I just don't I don't think Khabib is gonna be able to take yeah. him down and control him in more than half the round. And I definitely don't think he's going to outstrike Tony. But on the other side, Tony's Tony's got a questionable chin as of late. A number of his last bunch of fights, he's gotten dropped. Like, Lando Venata dropped him. Uh, Anthony Pettis dropped him. Like, he always yep. he always recovers. But it, it's it's a fun fucking fight. And I just, I am so angry <laughs> that it got canceled for a fifth time. Like, that's so fucking crazy, <laughs> Five times this fight's been scheduled and it's never happened.
0: I know. It, it is really ridiculous. And I almost feel like a little bit like upset because we could have, if, if, if the U.S. knew about coronavirus sooner, or they did actually, but if they'd taken it seriously sooner, we maybe could save this fight. Uh, because especially it was supposed to take place in Brooklyn. That's the hotbed right now or that area of, of New York. And I remember I was listening to um, DC and Helwani uh, right before UFC 248, the Israel Adesanya Romero fight. They did a radio show show and someone had asked about the fight and DC said, I don't want to be a negative Nancy here, but could this fight be canceled due to coronavirus? And he kind of predicted it. And then it was like, it's off the table and it's wild. So uh, I'm super sad about it, but the optimist in me, Says like I don't. I've said this before. I don't care if you have to fucking book it ten times before it comes to fruition. We need that fight. It's almost like the age old question of like, what happens when an uh, unstoppable force meets an immovable object? Like that's Tony and Khabib. Like what you said, Khabib just marching forward, Tony marching forward, and, yeah, and we're gonna uh, find out.
1: So here, here's what I was what I was thinking about with um, with this whole private island that. Uh, that Dana White was talking about securing and venue and whatnot. Yes. Does this private island have a fucking hospital? That was my first question when it was like, oh, we're, we're going to build a venue on a private island. Do private islands have hospitals? Like, Because Khabib and or Tony are both going to need to go to the hospital. Like, Tony's last 10 opponents didn't go to the media afterwards, they went directly to the hospital, like, that's how those fights, like, is, is he building Fucking a Rudy. hospital as well on this private island, like who, Like, so many unanswered questions, and I, I, I hate to say it, but I am glad that it got shut down, because like, him trying to, trying to I, I don't know what, what his reasoning was, whether he's just trying to return to some sort of normalcy, or he wants to get paid but I think him just trying to like, oh, we're going to book an island and, and push out fights week after week after week and not tell anybody where the island is. I'm like, dude, the world is coming crashing down and like make a pay-per-view like people don't have right. money to be spending $70 on a pay-per-view right now. Like three and a half people qualified for Preach. unemployment last week. Like what the fuck, dude?
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I think I think two two things. I think Dana White is fueled by money and ego. And I I think that what you said about the hospital is absolutely right. I think he was gonna fly in medical people, but there's no actual facility. They would have had to fucking build one or, or just like make a medical tent or something like it was like the army in the twenties or something. Like it was half baked from the beginning. But I think like Dana, like you said, he, he's or like I said, he's fueled by money and ego, and he thinks that the fact that everyone's telling him it's irresponsible to cancel is is motivation for him to say like, "Doubt me now!" Like, and just pull it off to 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 be like, "I'm the I'm the guy that made it happen," and yeah. kind of put his name in the history book for some reason. But
1: with with Khabib, that was going to be out. Tony was fighting Gaethje. Who'd you think? Who did you think was going to win that fight?
0: This is the thing, and this could end up being like if they end up making this fight. Um, I could see Tony, Khabib, and Gaethje being like a bit of a round robin, similar to like uh, R- Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, and Holly Holm, where Holly beat Ronda, then Misha beat Holly, but Ronda was always able to be Misha. Like, as much as I love Tony, and I, I would pick him because my philosophy is I always have to pick with my heart, kind of. I always have to go with who I'm rooting for and not be sort of uh, unbiased about it. But Gaethje could probably fuck him up because – Tony fucks people up, but Gaethje also comes forward and sort of takes a beating until he can give a worse beating. So it, it is kind of crazy, but I, ultimately we'd pick Tony. But that's yeah, a I tough that fucking fight. I, fight.
1: Think, I think if there was a full training camp, I think Gaethje would beat Tony with a full training camp. Gaethje even said in an interview the other day, he goes, "I got about, I got about ten to twelve minutes, nineteen of minutes of pure fire. hell." And if Tony makes it past that, I'm fucked. And uh, I think that would be the case now. But if they go through a full training camp and then fight, Gaethje's got 25 minutes of fucking hellfire. And he hits fucking – he's got that one punch knockout. That's true. He puts people down with one punch. Tony doesn't. So I think if they were to both have a full training camp, I I think Justin would beat him. There are two guys that have elite level wrestling that they don't use, so it would end up in a kickboxing fight. And yeah. I just I just think Justin hits harder, and like I said before, Tony's got that suspect chin where he gets you know knocked down often. Justin doesn't knock people down; he knocks people out. So I I think I think Justin would knock Tony out in a, in a full training camp.
0: That's a good point, and I think it's it's kind of uh, a little bit weird to, to predict because old school Gaethje would sort of just get into a firefight, and at that point it's a coin toss. But new Gaethje, with his last two fights against Barboza and Cowboy, he's more patient, and even a little bit against James Vick. He's more patient and, and ends up getting the knockout first round because of that, because he looks for an opening rather than just throwing yeah, the kitchen I, sink.
1: I think, I think Gaethje can can beat Khabib, too, for the same exact reasons that I think Tony can. He's got to lead- Uh, that he doesn't yeah like I said Khabib doesn't get his takedowns out in the open he gets them against the cage and Gaethje hits hard as fuck so I think I think those are the two fights that I know Khabib says you know he's never gonna fight Conor again that may or may not be true and he also says he's gonna retire soon but before Gaethje retires those are the two fights I want to see I want to see Gaethje and Tony fight Khabib
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I need that fight. And I was—I uh, listened to an interview with Gaethje once, where he just sort of like opened a light in my head that made me think he can beat Khabib. And he was like, "What's he gonna do? Make it a wrestling match?" I, I've been wrestling since I was five, and I was like, "Yeah, even if he doesn't use it in his, in his fights, he's got that muscle memory." You know, I, I don't think Gaethje's ever been taken down, and if he does, he's probably popped back up. Like, the, the guy can wrestle even yeah, if he doesn't totally use it. Like agreed. you said,
1: those are those are the two big question marks as far as as. Khabib's career if, if Khabib ends up fighting those two and beating them and then riding off into the sunset undefeated he, he might be in my book the greatest of all time if he can overcome those two
0: yeah absolutely there's, all, yeah, there's but, a lot at stake in those question.
1: fights uh, Ma, is, is Masvidal going to fight Usman next or is, is Usman going to rematch Colby
0: The, here's the thing it, it, it pisses me off like to even speculate and i feel like a lot of people are like on one side or the other because you've got a lot of people who are anti-masvidal just because of the bandwagon fans uh but masvidal has been kicking ass for a long time and i feel like usman up until a year ago or up until basically when he beat woodley was kind of annoying if i'm honest like i'm torn about it because i think both their managers are just straight clout chasers like No matter what you slice it, like Ali and the Kawa brothers that manage Hori Masvidal, they're just cloud chasers, and I can never believe anything that goes on in the media. I think that's next. The fact that Dana came out and said it, that they were looking to book it for International Fight Week, uh, I think it's next. But you you got a situation where Usman was saying that he was ready to go for April 18th. Masvidal supposedly said that, but then apparently didn't answer the call when the UFC called. But... Again, that's where the clock chasing comes, in my opinion, because I think they, they know that they don't want to be taking that fight without a full camp, uh, and, and you need that against Usman, a guy with his level of wrestling. Um, I also hate the idea that Colby should get a rematch, uh, even though it was a close fight. There's only been, I think, like one other time where the challenger lost and they, they ran it back, uh, Shogun Machida. But other than that, like I just don't think the president is there. And yes, it was a it was a close fight, but Usman stopped him in the fifth round. So uh, I don't like the Colby rematch. I want to see Colby Woodley because we've been brewing that for like two years, and uh, I, I mean, want to I mean, see I mean, Masudal Usman.
1: The whole idea of the challenger getting an immediate rematch infuriates to no end. Like I, it's garbage. Been ta- it's been talked about a lot lately because there's been a lot of close title fights with. Like you said, Colby and and uh, Usman, there's Joanna and Wiley. They're talking about Joanna getting an immediate rematch. There's been Jones and and Reyes. There's been Santos. Uh, there's been a whole bunch just in the last like eighteen months. No matter how close the fight was, whether the the judges got the decision right or not, the champion left with the fucking belt. The the the. The divisions these days Agreed. are too fucking stacked. Even the female divisions, like just a few years ago when Ronda was, was was winning all her fights, those divisions weren't weren't as stacked. Now the divisions, the top ten are all fucking killers in every division. So Dominic Reyes had a close fight with, with John Jon Jones, big fucking whoop. Look at all the other challengers. I mean, Corey Anderson just lost, but Corey Anderson is still, you know, top tier challenger. There's Jan Blachowicz who just knocked out Corey Anderson, who, who should be next in line, who hasn't the title yet. Give him a fucking shot. Yeah. Like there's and and at, at 115, Tatiana Suarez, undefeated. She's ne- she should be next in line. There, there's so many other challengers in every other fuck every division, especially 170. 170 is one of the most stacked divisions in the fucking sport, and they're talking about giving Colby a rematch. But, as much as I dislike Colby Covington. He not only lost the fight, he got finished in the fight, and he complained about the stoppage as much as he wanted, but that was a good fucking stoppage. He should not get the fucking rematch, especially with Masvidal being arguably the second biggest star in the sport behind, behind only Conor and, and maybe maybe uh, Izzy as well. But with him being as big of a star as he is, he's got that yeah. fucking B M F belt that they can put on a poster that's going to sell tickets. That, that's got to be the next fight. It's, it's got to be.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. It just like you said, it's important for just the like continuity of the division. It's it's important to keep things moving. And I, I'm the kind of guy that I prefer the entertainment aspect of MMA more so than the sport of it. I don't care much about like hierarchy and and rankings and things like that. But in in the sense of like a title picture, it matters. And you can't just be given rematches to challengers. It was even annoying when they did it with Woodley Wonderboy because it was a draw which I get but at the same time it, it almost didn't make sense then either like the champion wow, yeah, retained I the belt the let's move on that
1: was a, uh, that that happened but yeah, yeah you're totally right um, e- even with the draw you didn't take the belt away go win a fight and then try again like you don't you don't get a rematch just because it was a close fight against the, the champion that you didn't you didn't win so you, you shouldn't get the immediate rematch
0: Right, which is why it's also insane that they're doing basically close fights that are were number one contender fights. They're giving the title shot to the loser because they thought they won. Like with happened uh, with Aldo and Romero.
1: Just got taken out of that fight.
0: That's right. I heard that, and then supposedly Cruz stepped up, but. this is my problem with all the like, fight announcements and things that they keep talking about. It's like, when are these fights even that, happening and where are they going to take the place? The biggest
1: issue, as far as I'm concerned, is when the quarantine's over when fights can continue. Let's say, you know, end of April, quarantine's over and fights can continue. Gyms have been closed. Where, where are these training camps taking place? Right. So now, let, let's assume that training camps start immediately – like, cause nobody's been training because gyms are closed or they're not supposed to be training. Is there a training camp instead of, of running in the streets in the meantime? Right. And they're going to start having fights like the first Saturday of May. Nobody's going to be in fucking shape. And then you got to let's assume that they wait while people jump into training camp. Training camps are usually what? Six to eight weeks. So that's all of May. Don't resume to the end of June. Like, yeah. there's a lot of questions that's going into this whole quarantine thing. And when we come out of it, like with the, with the gyms being closed and and, tra- and training camp, like what the fuck's going to happen?
0: Exactly. I think we, as a, as a country, perhaps as a world, we reacted too late for us to return to any sense of normalcy uh, in, in any sort of good time. Like, just like you said, if, if we all adhere to everything in a perfect world, maybe start of May, end of April, we can, you know, take the world off a of pause. But as far as our sports concerned, that's not going to happen with relative ease because, like you said, people have been training in private. Like I, I guess some people have opened the gyms to do like one-on-one sessions, but they're not really supposed to. And like some of the the fighters I follow on Instagram and stuff, they, they're posted like you know the coach came over to their apartment they hit mitts there things like that but it's not ideal like you need training partners you need hard sparring and that is reckless at the moment like it's it's technically kind of illegal or at least off you know the rules but yeah like you said you need you need a full training camp and we're we're in a a time of the world that's unprecedented and it and it's not going to just happen i keep thinking about this article i read that i saw someone on twitter share that was uh from someone in MIT where they said this is going to affect the way we we live, the way our society operates for a lot longer than people are thinking. Even when everything resumes, it's gonna change the way we look at things. And I and I think it sort of sucks for the fighters right now because they don't they don't get paid unless they fight. So a lot of them are trumping at the bit to return to action sooner than maybe is uh advisable. And It kind of sucks because the UFC, before everything shut down, they had their fights booked up to, like, May. Like, there was a San Diego card that was getting booked. Um, And even some fights for for June, UFC, what was it, 251 in Perth? Uh, There were some fights there. And now, like, do you resume with those fighters that had been booked? Or do you sort of just sort of start new and and scrap everything? It's nuts. money
1: goes with with the fighters, I I did read an article the other day that said Dana White, when he canceled – event because you know the ceo of disney called him and said like hey shut this shit down you fucking dope he uh in the article i read it he said that he told his fighters not to worry about money i can't imagine he's gonna (laughs) he's gonna be taking care of like all 555 fighters bills he probably could he's got you know 300 dollars he could if he very well felt like it yeah but i remember reading an article that said he told his fighters not to worry about money but who the fuck knows, because because when you when you start telling your employees that, they're going to start saying like, oh, can, can you pay off this debt? Can you pay off this debt? And, and not just ask them to, to you know, they're going to try and start taking advantage of, of what he's offering. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Right, absolutely. They should be given some sort of stipend. Uh, I, I hope that they can qualify for some sort of stimulus. And it's interesting that you say that because I saw the video that he when he announced it talking with Brett Okamoto and, it, and it's so sad that we had to have a call from Disney to, to knock some sense into this guy and not even knock some sense because he probably still feels like it could happen or should happen. Uh, but just to like pull the plug and say, Hey, uh, psycho maybe stop doing this in a pandemic, huh? But, but, but he said something about like my employees are not going to be laid off. He didn't specifically say fighters. Uh, so you can interpret that as, as fighters, but I didn't hear him say fighters. And uh, there was a report that came out that said Ari Emanuel, who's the CEO of Endeavor, uh, said that he was basically uh, foregoing his salary for the rest of the year to, to be able to pay everyone and, and keep everything running while there's no stuff going yeah, on. I, I like, why isn't Dana doing that?
1: The the owner of the the Dallas Mavericks asked, like, tried to find out how much you know all of the like the concession stand workers and like he's paying every person that is employed by the Dallas Mavericks, what they would normally be getting paid at this time throughout the whole, he's paying everybody.
0: Wow. Yeah. Mark Cuban has a history in MMA. I wish he would come back to it because we need that kind of mindset.
1: Does he really have a history in MMA?
0: Yeah. I can't remember which promotion – uh, but he was definitely on um, that show. Do you remember that show Inside MMA oh, with yeah. uh, Boss Rudin and Kenny something? Yeah, he was on there one time talking about it. I'm going to see if I can really quick pull it up because I don't have Jamie. It's just uh, yeah. it's just me. But he was on um, – he was trying to make yeah. a song with Fedor. Maybe he had a, ha- uh, a hand in affliction, I think. Yeah,
1: that kind of money would be uh, would be helpful. That guy is super fucking rich. Like.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe one of these days, like uh, a fight promoter that's like on the regional scene will go into Shark Tank and be like, "Hey, Mark, will you fund my oh, uh, will you fund my bad. promotion? <laughs> Dude, Do I it.
1: Can't, I'll help you put together a business plan. Just pay off my student loans. Like, you got a billion dollars, man. Just lend me like fifty k.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's silly. it's a tax so write off for you.
1: Why you're looking up this Mark Cuban thing? Selfish, so selfish. My my stuff. If anybody's still listening, oh wow, we're at an hour and ten minutes here. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, For those of you that are still listening, um, follow my podcast on iTunes, Tea Time with t Cross. Uh, I also talk MMA and I get into politics sometimes as well because it's just fun to talk about Donald Trump. Uh, He he makes it so easy to talk about him. And uh, follow on Instagram and Snapchat at mm-hmm. T-Cross the Boss. Boss is B-A-W-S-S. It's an inside joke from when I'm a teenager. It's fucking retarded, but it is what it is. Follow me on stuff and uh, give my podcast a like, a <laughs> share, a comment, or, or tell me to go fuck myself, whatever you want.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I urge anyone listening to check out your podcast. I, I first came across it um, when you had your episode about mental health and that's something that is very important to me to that more, especially more more men speak up about it and just be willing to have a conversation. So I, I love that episode. And I was yeah, glad that, that when was, you uh, resumed it a, late a, earlier this year,
1: episode and that that was an, an episode that was definitely important to me as well. So I'm glad that I, my, my friend Mike was was, w- was willing to come on and and put himself out there. and And yeah, that was, to this day, I believe it's my most listened to episode that I've ever had. So I'm glad that I was able to do that. And and I hope it helps some people.
0: Fucking a, well, I think that's a perfect uh, note to end this, unless you have any final thoughts that you want to share
1: to to a friend, reach out to me, even if you don't know me, uh, I will, I will talk to you and, and maybe, maybe send you some, some stuff that helped me. And, uh, help me get through my depression and my anxiety. And, uh, it's, it's not as bad as it seems. You'll, you'll get through whatever you're going through. So keep strong. And, uh, I love you all very much.
0: Absolutely. And I would like to add, if, if you see someone that you think may be struggling, uh, maybe reach out on, on, on their behalf because, uh, Oftentimes when someone is going through a depression, struggling with their, with their mental health, um, they're unable to reach out. Uh, You know, you just sort of wallow in your own self-loathing. So, um, if, if, if you see someone that's a friend or family that maybe you think maybe going through it, reach out and have a conversation, everyone gives a little love. Well, man, this has been amazing. I could talk fights with you all day. We'll have to do it again. I'll gladly come on your show and, uh, give people some content to get them through the quarantine. And, uh, Stay safe happy out there, days. and uh, again, happy well, Easter, fun. which we almost yeah, forgot I'm about. We have
1: you on my show uh, as soon as fights resume, and uh, yeah, happy Easter. Enjoy your day. Hopefully, you're you're you able to see your family today.
0: Yep, yeah, I'm glad. As soon as we uh since we finish up here, I'm um, I'm, I'm heading over old for old some
1: fantastic. good old well, fashioned I Italian Easter. Thanks for having me on, brother.
0: Yeah, you too. Yeah, much love uh Tom. And we're back. Hope you guys enjoyed that uh little chat with uh my man T Cross. Again, he uh, he plugged this stuff, but uh you can find him at T Cross the boss on Instagram. Great guy, and uh Tea Time with T Cross is the podcast uh which I urge you to to go check out. Um we're going to be doing more of that uh in the in the weeks to come. That being interviews. I I don't like to use the word interview as I I told Tom kinda when he started and I, I introduced him as well uh as my co-host for the day. I wanted it to be a vibe where, you know, we're just sort of two guys having a conversation and uh not that I'm sort of putting a mic in his face as you remember he asked me some questions, loved that uh, uh that chat so we are doing more of that. And uh, we covered actually a lot of the stuff I wanted to cover in uh in the news segment because really the only news was the rise and fall of two forty nine. And here's what we didn't cover. So we got news earlier in the week. I think it was actually Monday that okay, we got our venue. It's Tachi Palace. UC two forty nine is on. We're gonna have these fights uh, on the Indian reservation and in the in the casino, Tachi Palace, and uh, we're gonna adhere to all you know crazy rules that. We're making up on the fly because obviously there's no commission involved. The ABC was was even a little bit worried about whether they wanted to give the go-ahead. Uh, and I don't even think they did as far as what, what I heard. Um, I could be wrong on that. And then we heard talks of Fight Island that everyone's been making all the memes about. I mean, that's a story for a different day. A lot of people were thinking it was um, you know going to take place. Uh, two forty nine. That is on this island, but this the, the island was meant to be for international events, so that they could have the international fighters involved. And it's it's so like irresponsible to be having these conversations in the middle of a pandemic. But as I mentioned earlier, you know, if for some reason they pulled it off, I I, I couldn't say that I was not going to watch it. You know, I was willing to forgo my morals if you will and go against what i'm saying should happen and watch it because as as i've said before i get why the fighters want it to happen the fighters don't make money unless they fight so i i do want to support the fighters but i i also don't want to support the ufc and that's the problem with the business models that people say you know you can vote with your wallet and you can tell them that you you're not um advocating for what they're doing by not buying it. But then you're also kind of dicking over the fighters in a sense. So it's, it's really tough. And the the whole thing had me just sort of torn in the middle. And I, I made a whole thread about it. And there was some discussion. People got really weird. So I ended up having to mute the thread, but um, that that's kind of where we're at. But then we got an official word from, from Dana saying he had to, it, it took a call from Disney. And then Tom and I mentioned this in the, in the chat we had, it took a call from the head of Disney and the head of ESPN Uh, have a little conference call with Dana saying, Hey man, what you doing? Hey man, people are dying. Forget about fights for a second, you know? Pay your fighters to stay at home and just chill. And let's ride this thing out until we can have real events. Because no one, no one wants a half-assed event. We were told that, oh yeah, I'm going to put on 249 and that's going to be the biggest, baddest card in history. Well, let's talk about the biggest, baddest card in history for a moment. Here's what we missed out on. Here are the fights that we were said that was going to be part of this lineup that are no longer happening. So here's what we're crying about. If we're saying that we're sad that these fights are off. Here's what we're crying about. Michael Johnson versus Kamaworthy. Okay. Kamaworthy had a great knockout in his debut. And Michael Johnson always... Brings it, but K, like, no one's clamoring for that fight. It has no divisional implications. No one's saying, Oh my God, I need that fight to happen. It's just a fun fight, kind of. Uh, Sajara Eubanks versus Sarah Morris? Don't want. Sajara Eubanks fighting anyone? Don't want. I mean, really. Ryan Spann versus Sam Alvey? Don't (laughs) want. Ryan Spann versus Sam Alvey? I, I will pay Sam Alvey not to fight, okay? Like, uh, no. One fight I'm I am disappointed about I will say because I'm not I'm, I'm taking this fight by fight as far as what I I am said that we're not going to see Marlon Vera versus Ray Borg. I gotta say I love that fight. I love that Ray finally going back up to Bantamweight where he fucking belongs. Even though he's missed weight there before, I think he has a better track record there. Marlon Vera. Is is one of my favorite fighters to watch. I will always show up for his fights. His story is amazing. Both their stories are amazing with their uh with their ch- children, with Marlon's daughter and Ray's son. And uh I was really looking forward to them getting a payday for f- for their family's sake. So so that I am I am depressed about. We're missing Alexander Hernandez versus Omar Morales. <laughs> okay, don't won. Alexander Hernandez versus anyone, don't one. I'm this is this is what we're talking about here. Is the biggest baddest fight card in history? Uriah Hall versus Jacare. I I was interested in, in that fight. I'm not gonna lie, but again, not a lot of divisional implications. Jacare, this would have been his return to middleweight. He had the the weird fight against Zion that he said he was going up to 205, which actually I think he maybe should have stayed at 205 even though he didn't have success at least for the latter part of your career. like You're you're not having another run at the title, at least not in a division like middleweight. Better do it at a, at a more shallow division like light heavyweight and not have to cut weight for the latter part of your career. I mean, that's my theory. But Uriah Hall always brings it. That was going to be a fun fight. Jack Gray was probably going to submit him, let's be real, but it was going to be a fun fight. And Gano versus Rosenstrike, as I mentioned with uh, with T Cross, so glad that he was on my side about this. Rosenstrike was gonna fuck Engano up, um, or one of them was gonna fuck the other one up. I mean, let's be real; it's it's kind of a uh, who connects first kind of a situation. But uh, yeah, that that was a fun fight. But but again, this fight was meant to headline UFC Columbus. This is this is a a a, a fight night headliner. That's what we deserve, not a main card opener or a prelim headliner or whatever the fuck this was, because yeah, we're going to get there in a second, but a certain uh, controversial heavy w- heavyweight with only a few fights in the UFC was above these gentlemen? Excuse me? What the hell, UFC? This whole card was botched. This was like you, you took a, a four-year-old, gave him some names, and and threw him at a dartboard, and then uh, whoever connected for that, that's who we're pairing them up with. These matchups were so random. Let's not pretend that this was the fight of the century. This was not even uh, a, a pay-per-view-worthy card. I mean, it sort of was, with with respect to when you're comparing it to the other pay-per-views we've had. But for, for, for them to put on an event in the midst of a pandemic when people are... I went to Target yesterday. I was terrified. I had to go in and get some essential stuff for... Uh, our lives i had gloves on i had a mask i washed my hands before and after and there were too many fucking people in that store man i was terrified so for them to, to get in a cage and and try and beat the living shit out of each other we better be getting fucking the fight of the century every fight or don't want okay that's what i'm saying here stevens versus cater great fight Calvin Cater always brings it. He could have beat Zabit if that was a five-round fight. Jeremy Stevens also could have beat Zabit if it was a five-round fight. Even though Jeremy Stevens uh, has lost half his fights, that was going to be a barn burner. I don't care what anyone says. Luke versus Price. Great fight, but a rematch no one asked for. I was supposed to get Muslim Salikov versus Nico Price. I'm still salty about that if I'm honest. Uh, I was the most excited for that fight over any fight of the year other than Tony Khabib. And, and that was writ from me. And I was, I'm supposed to get uh, Vicente Luque fighting down because he needs a paycheck. That was This is a sad fight, if I'm honest. It was a sad fight. A rematch no one asked for. Uh, yeah, two action fighters, great. First fight was great. This fight was going to be even uh, more amazing. Price maybe could have caught him in the second fight. But, bro, no, don't want Greg Hardy versus Johan de Castro. Don't want. Greg Hardy versus anyone. Don't want. Love Johan de Castro. I was really hoping he would knock Greg Hardy the fuck out like he knocked out Justin Taffa. But for the most part, if you involve Greg Hardy, don't want. Especially on a pay per view. I don't want to fucking put money in that guy's pocket. Are you kidding me? And don't talk to me about streaming. Let's not talk about streaming right now. Andrade versus Nami Unis 2. I am disappointed about this. I am disappointed because Rose was winning that first fight. The slam happened, and I'm not one of those cucks that's mad about the slam. Uh, it, it was it was legal as far as I'm concerned, the way it landed, uh, and, and that, that's fine. But she was losing that fight, uh, Andraj was. This is going to be Rose's time to shine. And if you fuckers were one, anyone that was online calling Rose a pussy or, or whatever for, for, for pulling out of, of UC249, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. Because first of all, faulting anyone for pulling out during a pandemic is just tone deaf at best. At worst, you're a piece of shit. And, and it comes out and it was for an undisclosed reason. And, and if you thought it was it was a bad reason for, for even a second before hearing it, you doubted her for, for, for the worst reason. It came out that she had family, the deaths in the family related to COVID-19. I mean, come on. I feel like I'm shouting into the void here. Fucking no. Just no. And the main event: Ferguson versus Gaethje. I'll admit, I've not been talking about Ferguson versus Gaethje for a while because Ferguson Habib had to have been the fight that we need to make. We need. We need to make Ferguson Habib. That's it. That's all we want to see. And but Gaethje also deserves a title shot, so he should be maybe be fighting the winner of that. But if we're taking rankings out of it, if we're taking you know title implications out of it, Ferguson versus Gaethje stylistically is a is a wet dream. It really is. It, it's it's fucking pure chaos and 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 just one hundred percent team all violence. But dude, I don't want this fight on on short days notice. And that wasn't even a proper sentence. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want him on on Gaethje with a with a full, with not a full camp. As T Cross uh, mentioned, Gaethje knows that he his chances of winning this fight on short notice dwindle because you just you just don't put Tony Ferguson away. I don't know. It's it's. In in, in some ways, I'm glad that uh, that this fight isn't happening because. Now, hopefully, we can resume to business as fucking usual. We can get Tony Ferguson versus Khabib after Ramadan, after the pan- pandemic, and in the meantime, we can maybe Gaethje versus Connor, hopefully at one fifty-five and not at one seventy. It's it's just it's just pure chaos. Like I don't want I I want normalcy as much as anyone, and I want to be watching fights as much as anyone, but I want to be watching them. When I can feel comfortable watching them. I want to be watching them knowing that these fighters had a full training camp. Knowing that there's proper medical staff on standby. Knowing that uh, they have their full team in their corner. It's it's just... I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm mad enough to admit that I was going to watch this. I I I can't be too too much of a liar to to say that uh, like we shouldn't be watching this and then watch it in secret. I had to watch it. I had to watch it to do the podcast for you guys. I I needed to to feel I don't know sane a little bit. But at the end of the day, we we can't be putting on fights right now. This is this is for something bigger than ourselves. I mean. I want to go back to something Eamon said in the forum uh, a few uh, episodes ago. It might have been last episode, but I think it was the one before. Uh, and he said, "Guys, if if staying at home and, and doing five Pass, and chill saves a few old people, saves some children, then it's worth it. Let's do it." And, and goddamn it, is bigger than that. But he was fucking right. All right, that's that's it for my soapbox. That's probably what this segment is going to be called from now on. It's the fucking soapbox segment. So let's now take a breather, take a palate cleanser. Maybe pack your bowl if if, if that's what if that's your thing, smoke them if you got them. Refill your drink. Kiss your wife. Uh, take your clothes off, whatever you want to do. Let's take a breather and let's start the forum. So with every forum, I, I try and do uh sort of a topic obviously usually it's it's related to um the fights that have happened in in a normal world but when we're when we're not having fights even i I still try and have a theme to it uh i've been slacking with that and i and i know that so I, i i thank you guys for just sort of going with the flow and and sending in the most random questions it's much appreciated and um definitely keep them coming and if you think of anything throughout the week, you know, don't wait for the post to go up. Definitely send it my way, either on, on the Anchor app uh, via voice, or you can email me. You can do uh, whatever you want. So uh, first question is from my man Hayden, so let's take it away.
3: Yeah, I juiced. I'm going to leave this one extra early this time. Because every other time I fucking put one in, I always forget that... It comes out Sunday. So, every I keep meaning to do it on fucking Sunday. Then I lose track of time. Forget what day it is. I right, fuck. But, I'm going to leave one today. I don't even know what to ask right now. I, I'll, uh, off the dome. You know what I mean? Um. Right, Tony versus Gaethje just got announced here. What do you think of this fight? Like, you know, that sort of stuff. Like. I saw, I saw you tweet something. I'm like, you're not against the fight. You're still going to watch it. But you don't think it should be happening. Why do you think that? Because. If if you look at it like this, right, there's, like, an empty arena. No one's going to be there other than, like, the cameramen. They're stood relatively far apart from each other. The only people that would be close to each other is the commentators. So I think it's fucking all right, you know what I mean? But that's just my shit take, you know what I mean? Hope it's a good fight. Hope it's a good card. Hope it actually happens. But, yeah, thanks, man, man.
0: Fucking A. So it's funny. Hayden sent this, like, just like probably 10 or 15 minutes after i heard the news about them making ferguson versus gaethje and i was like oh right away it's going to be about that and it was but he was like let's see i don't know what time is it oh yeah ferguson gaethje um and obviously the fight's been called off so this doesn't uh almost apply anymore but i wanted to talk about this because i was thinking about it for for two reasons first of all we're supposed to have no more than 10 people in a room right? That's that's sort of the consensus regulation when it when it comes to this sort of thing. You have each fire that's two. You have a ref that's three. Even if you forgo an announcer, you still have usually minimum two commentators. That's five. Okay, cameramen can sort of be remote. I guess you could put the cameras in. Uh, and just sort of control them either electronically or just sort of maybe put multiple cameras and have someone controlling them remotely switch back and forth, maybe. But that almost might be dangerous. They could fall, you know, when they hit the cage. Like it, it, Too many variables that go into that. But let's say you have two cameramen that brings us to seven. That doesn't leave room for them to have a proper corner. And that doesn't leave room for the medical staff to be, like, in the arena. Like, normally the doctors are ringside. And usually have a commissioner and you have – uh uh, another ref sat cage side, so you, the ref can do what's called polling and get get the f- feedback from the other ref. It's all like half-assed, and I don't want cockamamie fights. I don't. And even if, and this is the analogy I wanted to bring up as I was thinking about this, even if you quarantine the fighters beforehand, right? If, if you say you're, they're they're not going to have uh, any contact with with anyone else. First of all, you can't really train that way, so that already is, is sort of out the window. But think about it this way: you remember in uh, health class in sex education when they when they throw that thing that's meant to a little bit be like sort of scare you a little bit into celibacy. To say, oh, when you're having sex with someone, you're having sex with everyone they've had sex. Like, that's what it is with this whole contact thing. When you come into contact with someone, you're coming into contact with whoever they've come into contact with. So even if you think, you know, oh, this person doesn't have it, maybe they came into contact with someone who did and they are just asymptomatic or they're it's so early that they're not starting showing symptoms yet because that's when things are contagious and that's how it spreads like the goal of a of a virus is to not seem that bad at first so that you go out and spread it that's why this thing is so bad so yes i think it's absolutely reckless for it to, to be going on and i'm glad that it's not even though i'm sad about it i'm gonna miss it but I love, and I want to give a shout out to Deja. I, I completely missed uh, her doing this when I was shouting out other people like, you know, MMA gods and things like that who are doing the, the MMA quarantine. Deja has been really on top of it with creating a schedule of fights to watch and when to watch them and live tweeting about them. They just did UFC 218, and I think she followed up with doing 231. Her and Drea were, uh, were on that. Well done, ladies. Uh, I, I love that. I, I've, I've, I'll be honest, I haven't been watching a lot of fights uh, on on the off season or whatever you want to call this during this lockdown because A, I'm sort of catching up on all the other things that I've missed. You know, I, I've sort of let my other passions go by the wayside with there being so much MMA that I miss a lot of great T V shows. And so I'm just trying to get caught up on that. And I also I've kind of seen everything. Like there aren't a lot of fights I, I haven't watched that I would go back and, and watch for the first time. So it's all rewatches. Uh, But I I do support people doing that and I I think it's good for the community. So I I love that they're doing it. Shout out to those ladies. Uh, Especially Deja seems to be kind of spearheading it. So much, much love. And I appreciate that. Appreciate the question from Hayden as well. Um, I'd say go follow him, but he has like eight, nine accounts and I I can't even keep track of him anymore. Is it Hayden underscore Mermaid 2 is the main one or 3? I honestly don't know, bro, but give Hayden a follow.
2: What's up,
1: buddy? It's Yugi. Um, Quick easy question this time. What's your favorite
3: rematch to watch? Big fan, take it easy. Peace. Are you
0: doing your podcast? <laughs> I love it. The uh, at the end. You doing your podcast? Whoever that was in the background. First of all, love this guy. Shout out fuck Yugi. It's F U U C K Y U G I. Definitely give him a follow and check out his podcast, IPoke M M A, which I've been loving, bro. And you need to drop the newest one because I sent a question for that. I really want to hear your answer. And I just uh like hearing you talk about fights in general while super stoned it's amazing, and my favorite rematch if I had to um if I had to pick would be uh, uh bisping rockhold too obviously I mean no one apart from myself and maybe the entirety of England thought bisping could win that fight uh because the first fight was pretty dominant for rockhold, although I do uh maintain that the clash of heads mattered a lot. Um uh, Bisping even talked about this in, in his book. Um he knew that Rockhold knew that uh there was a cut above his eye or or something and it was above his good eye and that he his his bad eye was kind of suspect. So there was a lot of uh there was a lot of shady uh not shady, but a lot of circumstances around the first fight that made it a little bit more close than people think. And so, uh, you know, going into that fight, Bisping on short notice was a massive underdog. And, uh, I I was lucky enough to be there live. Uh, so I just, we, we fucking exploded. I was watching it with my, um, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time and my best friend, Leo and his girlfriend. And I was so in shock that I was just like, oh, my God. And But Leo, like, freaked out. And he he, he, he hugged me to the point where he was, like, squeezing my glasses that I was worried they were going to break. I was like, bro, 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 stop. But uh, and then I wanted to go back to it because it was just I, – I was so glad to be there with him and, and with our girls watching this fucking amazing fight. Uh, plus, you guys know how much I hate Luke Rockhold. Um, so that was just so satisfying. And Bisping is my second favorite fighter of all time. So it was, like, the perfect storm of Bisping being my favorite and Luke being my least favorite. Just kind of coming together. And wow. Uh, I, I, I love watching that. I will always watch that uh, fight. But there, there are some other other great rematches. That come to mind. But that to me takes the cake. Uh, as far as the, the one to watch.
2: Hey what's going on. It's Anthony Hernandez. A.K.A. Season Salt. Uh, wishing you and your family. Uh, health. Good health and safety during this time. I wanted to ask you. More of a favor, can you please explain why the WWE continues to put on shows during this time and the UFC is unable to? We need to put this to rest. It's getting crazy out there on social media, people bashing the WWE for putting on these shows. Meanwhile, the UFC doesn't get to put on their shows. Can you put this to rest or do I got to get on the mic and do it for you? Much love, man. Take care.
0: And much love to you, brother. Always shout out this guy. He's a big inspiration to me. And I uh, can't wait for the podcast to return, not a paid sponsor. So even though I will I will answer it, you should also give your thoughts on it. And you should definitely, um, definitely share it again. Y- here's the thing. First of all, MMA Twitter is, as we know, great. But it also can be very toxic. But wrestling Twitter, dude? you don't know toxic unless you've been on wrestling Twitter these people are fucking insane and I say that as as sort of one of them I mean uh, I'm an NXT fan and uh, th- there's a good percentage of of nXT wrestlers that cross over into the WWE because they're owned by wWE and so a lot of people you know like to shit on them and oh it's 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 regarded ridiculous like I can't even begin to describe how how toxic wrestling twitter is but The reason why they can continue to hold events is because they're not sanctioned. They're essentially a TV show, and while most TV shows are on pause as well, this is a TV show that involves only a few people at a time. So while I've I've had a few conversations online with uh, with my boy Seth. And uh, his friend who's a scientist or a doctor or something um, about the, the risks involved. I still think there's less risks involved with WWE, but it, it's still it's still pretty uh, reckless on their part to be holding events. But the reason that it can take place is because of that. I think what, he, what he's referring to is the amount of MMA fans that are saying, Well, Vince did it. Why can't Dana do it? Why do we have to be without our fights when, when fucking... Pro wrestling gets going on First of all the amount of people that shit on pro wrestling is so dumb So dumb And and, and if you just take a step back And look at it You'll realize why they're able to continue And why we have to put our world on pause And you know what It's for the greater good So I don't want to hear it anymore Great question Anthony You're the man as always
3: juice fighting with myself it is smokey j here from australia uh, i saw your tweet calling for questions floating across my timeline like a fucking bat signal like a cold arms and like i'm here i'm recording a message but i'm really fucking high right now um like i know what you're thinking like smokey j man you fucking high all the time like I am blazed as fuck right now And I'm not gonna lie man It feels awesome, I feel fucking great So my question for you is um, If it's not too much to ask Could I hear your rendition of my Dana White Fight Island Joe Exotic song and could you put A second verse into it If that's not too much, But
0: First of all There's so much to unpack here, I fucking love Smokey J He titled this uh, Message Got some purple weed, I did, <laughs> and yeah, as he said, super high. But he's always high, and I, but I could tell you before he said it, he's higher than normal. Like that was uh, sort of a next level for Smokey. Smokey J, we got to do a collab soon because your fucking uh, guitar is awesome, and it lends itself to to my kind of songwriting. So I I love that. I didn't have time, unfortunately, to put together another verse, but I definitely will give uh, my own rendition of it and i definitely think that um, that i encourage anyone to go to go to his page and check it out um i i shared it i retweeted it so it's it's on my page as well and that's how in fact that's how i find it cuz i knew he had a lot of tweets but i remembered what i wrote which is i i wrote um get someone get smokey j a record deal and uh i've gotten very good at searching tweets recently Realizing that you can just sort of type in a few keywords and it'll pop up the tweet. So if you just type in in the search bar, if you type in my name and get Smokey a record deal, you'll find my quote tweet and you can see that his original tweet. It's fucking uh, amazing. And it reminds me that the 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 fucking vibe of it reminds me of that band Fastball that wrote that song. Um, Anyone can see the road that they walk on is paved in gold. It's always sun and it never gets cold. one on the highway like that fucking vibe is 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 what this song reminds me of like their vibe, not that that specific song reminds me of this song, but um, here goes nothing. Tell all the fighters to pack their bags. We're going on a flight now. Make sure to wash your hands. Because we're going in a jungle. A private island land. A sanctuary for fighting. With your feet in the sand. Dana White bottom an island. Private fighting land. Dana White Bottom an island. I fucking love that plan. Yes, Smokey, we gotta finish this song. It needs it needs another verse, like you said. And, uh, uh we, we gotta finish it. Fuck yeah! And even better, we got another Fine Island question right after this.
2: Everyone out there, I hope you guys are staying safe and staying positive. It's a MMA by Melkin juice. How are you doing? I think this fight Island thing from Dana is ridiculous, but if you actually did put it together, would you go there? Personally, I wouldn't because I just don't trust a man, but would you actually go and pay to watch a fight? Take care.
0: Great question. So, there, There's two parts to this question, in my opinion, because it, it's almost sort of has to be answered in context. But I feel like because it's so open ended that I can, I can answer it in, in another context. And so in context, we're talking about holding a, a fight on an island in during a pandemic, which is pretty, pretty fucking insane. So uh, if if I were invited to watch this. Uh, I, I might have to turn down because for my own safety. Because getting on a plane, going there, being you know near all all the fighters that are that are cutting weight, therefore lowering their immune system, and and possibly spreading this, like I would be fucking terrified. Um, so I, I might actually have a heart attack whilst watching this. So I would have to maybe say no. But I don't see why we can't still have. Fight Island. After shit returns to normal and this virus has been beat, I don't see why we can't still do this in, under normal circumstances with proper medical staff, with, without you know needing to to pay regards to social distancing, with, without need to um, limit the number of people in the room, you know things like that. If if they can pull it off, uh, I'm all for it again, under normal circumstances, not in the midst of a pandemic. Like, I would fucking watch. Like, if they invited me out or, or if I somehow was working for an outlet that would, you know, willing to pay my expenses to go cover this event, I'd be like, fuck yeah, going to Fight Island. Are you kidding me? I'd be fucking I'm watching this. I'll, I would watch these fights in my fucking bathing suit with a, with a fucking drinking a Mai Tai out of a coconut watching these fights. Are you kidding me? So, hell yeah, I would watch uh, fights on Fight Island. But it would have to be under specific circumstances, I would have to know a lot more about it, and um, yeah, they would need like go big or go home. Like they they need to have I, I tweeted this out like they need to have like a fucking moat around the cage or something. They need to have like fucking fire uh, maybe at every like every post is, has a torch and it's fucking coming off the thing. They need to have uh, both gender uh, ring ring card people wearing fucking banana leaves. like that's it dude they need to go all out so uh so yeah I'm all all for it under normal circumstances hey what's up Juice this is Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram really simple one for you today happy Easter what is your favorite Easter candy chocolate and your favorite food uh, thing to eat on this
3: holiday? Hope you're well. Stay inside, stay safe. Talk to you soon. Peace out.
0: Great question, dude. Um, so, my favorite Easter candy, um, and it's pretty much the same answer for any holiday, it's whatever the seasonal version of Reese's is. Um, I love Reese's, I fucking love peanut butter in general. And so, especially at Easter time, they do Reese's eggs, and it's just an opportunity to get, like, more peanut butter, because it's a it's a bigger thing, and it's an oval shape, so they just fill it with peanut butter. I fucking love it. Or they do the massive um, Reese's bunny, which is goddamn ridiculous and shouldn't be eaten by one person, but always is, because I'm me. Um, I love Reese's. And my favorite food to eat, it's, it's crazy. So things have changed uh, for me, obviously, with regards to my diet being a vegan now, uh, but... Growing up, I was raised vegetarian, so I've still never had meat, but we always had either like Thanksgiving style food or somehow Italian, like lasagna. And something that is sort of a crossover that my mom always makes on Thanksgiving that she would make on Easter as well is butternut squash lasagna. And it is possibly the most delicious thing I've ever had. It's like basically like, uh, roasted like mashed butternut squash in lieu of like pasta sauce. Like when you make the layer of the lasagna with the, with the red sauce, it's using butternut squash instead of that. I she uses like four different kinds of cheeses. Oh, I I need, I need to, to go back in time so that I can go back when I could eat that stuff. Fucking love it. And I miss it. But, um, go after this uh, recording, I'm going over to my in-laws for, for Easter and they order from an Italian place as well. So it's going to be kind of similar, uh, to that just, uh, without dairy. So, Fucking A. Love love that question, Dave. Hope you're staying safe. Shout out to Judah. Um, probably shouldn't be listening because I curse a lot, but if you play him this, um, I don't think I cursed in my answer to you, so <laughs> shout out to Dave. Shout out to Judah. Um, Alright. Um, next question is from our boy <laughs> MMA Catfish.
2: Hey Juice, MMA Catfish. When all this is over, do you really think that we're going to come out of this as a different society and treat each other better? Because I don't really think so. I've not really seen a lot of that happening currently. And over my lifetime, what I have seen is human beings have a fantastic ability to ignore the reality staring them in the face and continue along that are self-serving path. So, the nihilist in me feels like nothing changes. Much as we saw in Wuhan, where they opened up the gates and everyone quickly just tried to return back to normal. So, I don't know. I guess what I'm asking is, are we all just pretty much fucked?
0: Huh. Well, short answer to the last question, yes, but... There's a, there's a bigger question here and I I I thank you for asking it because it allows me to kind of I don't know rant a little bit or just sort of get things off my chest and and really sort kind of explain what we're dealing with here. And that is this which actually by the way uh in in light of uh my guest or my co-host for this episode go check out T Cross's latest episode of Tea Time with T Cross. He brought in his friend uh uh I want to say his first name is Adam and I forget his last name but um at the time of this recording, it's the latest episode. And uh, that uh, gentleman is a scientist and is not an epidemiologist, but is certainly familiar with with some of the aspects of it. And they talked about some of the implications of COVID-19 and things like that. And it's a great conversation about what sort of things we can expect in terms of day-to-day operations, both during and after this pandemic. And uh, it's 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 not like, you know... Very like riveting, but it's very fucking interesting, and and it's sort of a wake up call. So I I recommend you listen to that. But also, um, there's there's a few ways to look at this. It reminds me of a quote that um, L- Lorenzo Fertitta said when the UFC brought in Usada, they said it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Because when they first came in, they were busting people left and right because people were still not realizing that they can't take fucking steroids anymore or that they also banned everything that's in everything, including a fucking random ingredient and in Chad Mendes' psoriasis cream. So um, things are going to go worse before they get better with regards to this pandemic because unfortunately, it's going to take the people that are doubting it, it's going to take them to get it or 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 to have someone close to them get it to realize how bad it is and that is sad and unfortunate i'm certainly not wishing that on anyone i'm not sitting here saying oh if if you think covid19 isn't bad then go to a hospital in new york city and and without any ppe and and why don't you go ahead and contract it so you can see how bad it is i'm not saying that i don't wish that on anyone i wish i just wish people would realize how bad it is and and treat treat it as such now with regards to what you said about um whether or not we're going to treat each other better afterward, what you said about humanity is absolutely true. And I'll use my own self as, a, as an example. First of all, as you said, people are not already doing that. And if they're not doing it now, unless it gets to a point where uh, the world shuts down for longer than we anticipated. And um, the, the the body count piles up higher and and everyone really sort of sombers up about this whole thing. And, and 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 that maybe then they'll be nicer, but unfortunately, the way it's continued and, and the way the way things are moving, I don't foresee that at all. But I also realize what you said about humanity's um, self-serving instinct and and sort of what that means. And again, I'll use myself as an example. I got cancer twice. The first time, uh, they caught it somewhat early. I guess both times they caught it early, uh, but. They caught it early, stage one, did surgery, they cut it out. And at that time, they did not um, say that I need to do chemo. It was brought up as, as a suggestion, but I said, I don't think I need it. I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to change my lifestyle and really beat this thing. And what did I do? I, I moved across country. I packed up my my house with my fiancé, who at the time wasn't my fiancé. I proposed actually when we arrived. That's another story for another podcast. Um, And I became vegan. I cut out all the bad shit I was eating. And I lost about 100 pounds. And then. Right as I got complacent. Is when it came back a second time. And I would love to say that. The second time was a wake up call. It, in, in in some ways it made me feel. Probably more invincible than it should. Because uh, I've I've. Gotten back to being complacent again. And unfortunately when you have a situation like this with a pandemic when it's not affecting people you know on on a personal level no one's going to come out of this a better person no one's going to come out of this saying oh wow i really should have been nicer it's just not going to happen my my faith in humanity is is dwindling uh, at, at this day, stage in, in in the world, with, with the current state of affairs, especially since Bernie Sanders dropped out, but that's a story for another podcast, which is to say, not my own. <laughs> not going to get into that here, but uh, my faith in humanity is is dwindling because of this. So, um, I really hope we do, but and I'm certainly going to promote that and advocate for that, but I I don't see it happening. So thank you, thank you for your question, MMA Catfish. Go give, uh, go give them a follow. Make sure to use the proper pronouns, for fuck's sake. Um, all right, I've got a my next question is uh, a little bit. Uh, well, it's not really a question, but I think it's needed, especially after that depressing answer I just gave. In life. Finding a voice is speaking and living the truth. Each of you is an original. Each of you has a distinctive voice. When you find it, your story will be told. You will be heard. Thank you so much for sending that. Um, That was Ms. Derek Lewis' Hot Balls at Pixie Dust 26 making her vocal debut on the podcast um, she has long been, uh, let's say, shy And not wanted to send one in But has uh, contributed uh, many, many questions on Twitter And I'm so thankful that she sent it in That is actually a John Grisham quote And I think it's uh, very apropos To be sharing that Again, especially after MMA Catfish Because now more than ever I think it's important to uh, For people to speak up And uh, let their voices be heard And, uh, you know, voices that in my opinion are, are are needed to to be heard are are our voices like pixie people that are thoughtful and kind and and people that are uh, uh serious about this whole pandemic situation it 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 really it's it's really needed so so i don't have much else to say because you you nailed it perfectly and, and thank you so much she she always said that she wasn't going to send one in because her voice is too high pitched but i don't know about you that was that was kind of sexy. Like, that wasn't a high pitch. Like, that, that was a, a nice voice. So, I uh, love that. Love the Northern English uh, dialect as well. Northeast, if I'm correct. Uh, love that. All right, let's now venture into Twitter land. That, that was it for the, the voice submissions. You can uh, submit those at any time by uh, recording it on your own and sending it to my email, which is fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. Or you can also go on the Anchor app and search FightingWithMyself.com and uh, click the message button and, and record them that way. Or uh, I, I there's a link that you can use to to do it on Anchor, like on, on the browser, which I always put on the forum post. And that's what I'm uh, reading the questions from now. So the first question comes from a man, Harry Andrew, at HarryAndrew94. He says, If you could go and watch a fight abroad, where would you go and why? This is a perfectly interesting question. I always thought that... Um, if i were going to go abroad it, to watch a fight it would be somewhere like london or paris and that's that's going to be my answer as paris probably because um well i've been watching a lot of marvelous mrs mazel as i said earlier and um there's uh, a few episodes where they go to paris and I, I just fucking think it's wonderful but uh it also has given me uh, a bit of a dream which is sort of related to Paris but not really, is that um, I think I want to move to Montreal because it's a, basically a bilingual part of Canada in which a lot of the signs, a lot of the people speak French, but uh, they also speak English, and I can go there and learn French uh, so that I may be immersed in different cultures. It's It's very important to me. So thank you. Thank you, Harry. Next question is from my man Phil, the MMA dude, co-host of the Split Decision podcast. Go give him a follow and check out his podcast that they do with Fight Geek. Uh, it's great. It says, are there any fights that you've rewatched during the quarantine or ever that you realized was drastically more competitive than you had initially uh, realized, or vice versa? With Jones versus Gus, one while it was happening, I had no idea because Joe was going nuts, but I rewatched and Jones one decisively. First off. I disagree with you. Um, I'm not someone that I, I, at least, at least not consciously. Maybe it's subconsciously. I don't know. But I don't feel that I'm ever influenced by commentary. I, I sort of take things at face value, and I do realize when the when the commentary uh, commentators are being hyperbolic, and I, I I always am able to kind of step back and realize what's apropos and what's not. And I think uh, Jones Gus was very competitive. I personally thought Gus won. But Jones's face was busted up, dude. He was carried away in a stretcher. Uh, so I, I disagree with that. But um, you know what? I uh, I I rewatched like a few weeks after it happened. I rewatched um, Max Holloway versus Destin Poirier two from UFC two thirty six. Everyone was saying that Max's lightweight debut was uh, like botched. That he was looking undersized. That Dustin Poirier beat the shit out of him. And I gotta say, I disagree, dude. That was three rounds to two. And very close. That was not a one-sided beating. And yeah, Dustin was the clear winner. But Max gave Dustin hell as well. I mean, let's be clear about that. That was a very close fight. So that, that's one that I've always thought was was talked about incorrectly. I, I think people um, thought Max was was too big. Or, or, sorry, too small, The Dustin was too big. Which is insane to me because they both fought a featherweight, and that's where their first fight took place. Um, Max is the skinnier guy, but come on, dude. That, he was not undersized, and, and nor was he outclassed. I think it was just beaten. Um, fair and square, but not, not in a crazy way. I, I, I thought it was a very close fight. Great question. Uh, this question is from a man, Cyrus King at Cyrus King. He says, "Is Disney Dana White's new daddy?" <laughs> Absolute goddamn lily, dude. And and it's so funny because up until now, I mean, I always knew that Disney was uh, that Disney owned ESPN, and I I knew that because um, my wife uh, when we lived in LA she worked for a guy that was uh worked for ESPN and he, was one of the executives sort of in charge of the merger and then he ended up um transferring he now works at Hulu i believe or at least he did um which is i think also disney owned and is part of that package if you get disney plus you can get the hulu and the espn um so i always do that but up until the fa- the fact that disney owns a cage fighting uh organization did not even fucking register with me when i when i thought about the fact that it was owned by espn and you know what's funny? People that work for the business side of Disney or people that are in the creative world that have to deal with the business side of it, they call it mauschwitz, which is uh, a pretty terrible pun, but also like just sort of speaks to the, like I don't know, domineering aspect of it. And uh, yeah, the fact that they have the poll to be like, hey, motherfucker, shut this shit down. Um It's it's just sort of a reminder, like it goes back to what I said about, you know, this pandemic affecting how we how we carry on, how we do business even after it's over. Like that's going to be in the back of Dana's mind now, or at least it should be. And maybe not, but it's certainly going to be in the back of ours. They could pull the plug at any time. So hopefully they'll be on their P's and Q's. It's sort of like when you're like when, when, when someone's fighting a wrestler. The threat of the takedown is always there. Even if it's someone like Yo Romero or Tyron Woodley who don't really use their wrestling, that sort of opens up their striking and the threat of the takedown is always there. Like They could use it. You have to prepare for that. So uh, it, It's sort of like that same analogy when it comes to Disney and Dana White. We don't think Disney's going to step in. We don't think uh, anyone at ESPN is going to say, hey man, you can't do that, but uh, they could. And it just makes me think, because I, I know with regards to ESPN, the, when they made the deal... Um, Dana said that they still have control over the production, and that ESPN can't really dictate certain things, and that that was part of it. The, they wanted the UFC as it was uh, built; uh, they wanted the product as is to fill their space. But if if Dana can, if they're sorry, if Disney can step in, you got to think that they have more power than we were originally told. So I think uh, absolutely. So not new daddy, but. A new threat of, of daddy. If that makes sense. Shout out to Cyrus. And, and check out his podcast. Combat Corner. Um, great stuff from, from Cyrus. Uh, this next question is from. Trance LFC. At LFC Trance. He says. When you get out the shower clean. How does your towel get dirty? Um, I don't know that I'm. <laughs> Quick to answer this because it's sort of like you're washing off the germs, and they like wet you know, water and then wetness in general can be sort of a carrier for that, and so it gets on the towel, gets moldy. Especially if people don't fucking hang up their towel. My wife and I fight about this all the time. She leaves the towel on the bed sometimes, like a wet towel, uh, like after the shower, and I'm like, you gotta hang it out to dry so it doesn't get moldy. Um, I don't know, I'm I'm crazy, but um. And his next question says, if you were in a race with yourself, would you finish first or last? (laughs) Wow. Um, I guess the obvious answer is both, but um, I'm going to go ahead and say I would finish first because they say if you're not first, you're last, and... I obviously wouldn't be last because I also would be the first person to cross the finish line, and so it would be me. But I also like to think that I'm always uh, fighting with myself, as I say is not just the name. Uh, I'm always fighting with myself, and I think that uh, I I can beat myself. So great question. Love the guy. Go give him a follow. All right. This next question is from. Laura at xdex purple pants. Shout out to Laura! Um, great, great return to the forum. It's always in need of feminine energy. Um, she's one of the few females to send in multiple voice questions. Um, and I always I love her voice whenever she sends in. It's like, hey, Juice, it's Laura. Um, she says you're designing a video game. Who do you have as your final boss? TRT Tour. Or EPO Killershaw? This is a great question. So you gotta include both, first of all. And uh, I think the bigger threat is TRT VTOR, at least the theory of TRT VTOR, right? As the video game, you can kinda, um, I don't know, exaggerate certain aspects. And I think EPO Killershaw is like the second to last vo- boss, like the mini boss you have to face to get to, to TRT VTOR, because EPO Killshot, that boss, is kind of like unassuming. Like You think that he's he's little, but then you realize that you just can't put him away. And then he's fast, and you don't know where the attacks are coming from. But ultimately, he has a weakness, and you get him out of there. Um, So I think there's that. But TRT Vitor, um, Joe Rogan on his podcast said something about TRT Vitor once that um, made me think, like, like, why did this guy not become a champion? I mean, obviously, it's because he ran into John Jones. But um, TRT Vitor is a guy that... Like, Vitor Belfort has been fighting since the early UFC when he was, like, 19 years old or something like that, when he fucking blitzed uh, Vanderlei Silva. And he's just jacked. So you have a guy that has, like, the fight IQ and the experience, but in a young man's body. You have a guy who, who went through the ringer, who fought the best of the best of his era, and then... Took the TRT to re to heal his body. That's a fucking force. That's like Ganon level. So yeah, he's the final boss for sure. But I think uh EPO Killashaw is a nice nod there. Alright, this next question is from Steven Hendrickson at Shendi456. Says, what happens to Gaethje? Do they give him Connor to give him a high profile fight or do they make him wait now? Dude, this. In my opinion, like Gaethje Connor is the fight to make. There's no way that it makes sense to do Connor Habib once everything blows over. You have and, and then have like Ferguson Gaethje. Like, are you fucking kidding me? You have to do Ferguson Habib for a sixth time. It doesn't matter. You have to do Connor Gaethje as a title eliminator. And yeah, that that's a headlining fight. No matter what way you slice it. And it has to be a 155 in my opinion. It has to be. So fucking A. Love that question. Yeah, you have to do that fight. I don't see why any other fight would make sense. That's it. It has to, has to be it. Backwoods Brad at Backwoods Brad with a Z for Woods. Um, it says, is a hot dog a sandwich? Um, Brad probably doesn't know that I'm vegan. <laughs> So this is funny to me, no, because if we're gonna call a hot dog a sandwich, are we gonna call a taco a sandwich? Because a bun is connected. Like a, a to me, a sandwich is two pieces of bread. That's that's in, at best, it's an open face sandwich. And is an open face sandwich really a sandwich? I say no. Plus, hot dogs are made from lips and assholes. It's fucking disgusting. Uh next question is from Carl Jones at Carlito Heat. He says, Now that we have no fights for a while, do you think the back end of this year will now have the most stacked cards since the buyout? Conversely, since we will need, need to see how the lightweight division plays out, is this year the time to pull the trigger on Connery S3? Hadn't thought of that. So, this is a great question. So, let me address the first part of this uh, question. Is it going to be the most stacked card in history? Or are we going to see the most stacked card since the buyout? I would hope yes. But, in all honesty, that's probably not going to be the case, right? Because, A, look what happened with 249. As I mentioned, not that stacked of a card, if we're being honest. Okay. And, if, if we're being honest, uh, also they still have an obligation to the rest of the roster. Like I, I said before, someone asked the question, do they think the pandemic will affect how we carry out business uh, later on? And I said that it my great hope that we see cards that make more sense rather than um, just doing like fights to book fights. And then we, we kind of do, you know, if you're going to put on a fight, you better make it a good fight. But in all reality, they're gonna—they have these fighters that they have under contract. Unless they start cutting fighters, we're gonna see um, fights are gonna be fulfilled. And honestly, we might even see worse fights. As as pessimistic as that sounds, and as uh, as as crazy as it sounds, we're at least gonna see. If nothing else, it'll it'll be the same as they always were, and just sort of like water down fights. But um, hopefully we get more meaningful fights because now we're going to have to have more title fights to, to, to keep the divisions moving. And then as far as Conor Diaz 3, it's it's an interesting question because I think Conor Diaz 3 needs to happen. But I also think it takes a lot to get Nate Diaz out of bed. And in, in his opinion, he, he needs the, the Jorge rematch, which in my opinion shouldn't happen. Um, and he also needs a lot of money. And, and honestly, him coming off a loss... They have every right to not pay him what he thinks he is deserved. So it's an interesting question, but I also think Connor has the power. He has mentioned Nate's name a couple times, so I think they could book that uh, fight. It's it's just like in my opinion, the the fight right now is Diaz Gaethje or sorry, Connor Gaethje. But if they don't book that, I still want to see Connor ds three at some point. But I do want to see the lightweight. Um, if Nate wants to cut weight, although it, it sucks that Connor's doing this thing where he wants to fight lightweights at one seventy. Uh, so we probably won't because because Diaz has said that he doesn't want to cut to one fifty five anymore. Uh, I just I just hope that uh, hope he hasn't been um, eating during this quarantine. Let's say that. Great question. Next question is from Touch of Gloves podcast at Touch of Gloves. He says, "You're at a karaoke bar with the entire UFC roster, past and present, and you get pulled up on stage to sing a duet. Which fighter are you bringing with you for a song?" There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, options here, and it's so funny. You know, you guys know that I'm a very musical person. I, I sing a lot, obviously, on the show, um, every episode, really. And um, as far as that goes, I do consider myself uh, a performer, but I don't consider myself a singer compared to people that that's their main discipline. Like, it's kind of like, for me, I'm an actor first. Like if you were to compare it to MMA, like I'm more well-rounded than a specialist. So, um, I won't like go over, over, it would be like an MMA fighter transitioning into boxing if if I were to challenge a singer. Right. But you also kind of have to think of it in this context, like to me, karaoke is never meant to be serious. Like if someone goes up there and unless they are like a kick-ass singer and they blow it out of the water, I expect you to do a funny song. I expect you to like go over the top. Like sometimes I fucking go up there and I sing like I will survive. You know what I mean? Like at first I was afraid. I was petrified. Like just kind of go uh, all out with it. Actually my go-to at um at karaoke is I sing um Shoop the song Peppa song because there's a version that my favorite artist uh or my favorite indie artist rather uh or one of one of my favorite artists in general, Ernie Halter, he does a version of uh of Shoop on his uh, album uh, the It's like acoustic uh, 90's throwback album And he does a bunch of like R&B covers He has a great cover of um, Pony The genuine song Fucking great album And um, he makes Shoop into like this sort of pop song And it's fucking great So I always go up there and I sing, I sing Shoop Sort of in that style But a little bit with the rap feel of it And it always gets a good laugh But if it was a duet Like I would want to sing I don't know, see, any clip of JDS singing gives me life. Because even though he's not that good, he fucking sells it, and I love that. And, uh, also, John Jones, if you've heard uh, anything like he puts on his Instagram, he can kind of sing a little bit. It's 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 interesting. He's, his voice isn't bad, I'm not mad at it. So I would love, uh, I would love to sing like Ebony and Ivory with John Jones. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. Um, but I would also love the chance to sing with, uh, with Roxy. Or I would want to fucking do uh, Sweet Caroline with Molly McCann. Oh my God, that would be incredible. Um, can you imagine? If you haven't um, heard my version of that, go, go to listen to um, episode five of this podcast, just the intro I did um, that song. But I, I, can you just imagine me singing Sweet Caroline with Molly McCann? Like, hands touching hands, reaching out. Touching me, touching you. Oh, I fucking can't can't get enough. So uh wow, that's a great what a great note to end the literal note to end the forum here. And uh with that it also ends the show since uh there is not, not much really to uh to talk about. But uh I, I do want to end with a message and is that um be kind to everybody. And uh as we talked about with uh, T Cross. Um, people that suffer from anxiety and depression Are going through it even worse uh, During this pandemic So if there's anyone that you think may be suffering from that Please reach out Because please understand that they may not be able to reach out Even though they, they tell you to uh, You know, they may not be able to So so reach out And, and just connect with people uh, Just Maintaining contact With, with people is what's going to get through us You know, virtual contact Mind you, not real contact Definitely stay the fuck away from each other And, um, I also want to, um, uh, say I just sort of put it, put this out there in the universe a little bit, um, for one of my next episodes, I do want to have one of my favorite, um, podcasters on that, um, has not done a show in a long time. And, uh, that would make me really happy. So without naming who it is, I might reach out to them or I might, uh, I might choke and, um, and not, but we'll see. I had a lot of fun recording with T-Cross, so uh, thank you guys for listening. I hope that I'm continuing to put out uh, content that you care about to to get you through the day, get you through the week. Um, also, quick plug: I uh, just uh, I just was on my buddy Tom's podcast, Movies After Work. I tweeted out on my personal account, so go check that out. I think I even retweeted on on the FWM Pod account. But um, we we did the movie. They they do they kind of review a movie every episode. And we did a, a, a movie called No Holds Barred, which was with Hulk Hogan back in the 80s. late like, 88, 89, something like that. And it's fucking hilarious. So if you have Hulu, by the way, check that out. Check out No Holds Barred because it's a funny-ass movie. And I think it probably inspired MMA, at least in some aspects of it, like some of the production elements. Uh, it's crazy. But uh, much love to everybody. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Aaronish Jackson. Uh, if you send me a, a friend request on Instagram, I I may accept it. I may not. Who knows? Um, there are some of you follow me on, on my personal Instagram. So if if you if you do consider yourself amongst the lucky people, because I don't approve everybody, but uh, much love much love to you guys and um, stay safe and stay at home.